following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hello friends and neighbors, this is Pepsi Mama welcoming you to another edition of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, or Arts, as we lovingly call it. And um, you can make it whatever Sunday you want. You can call it the S-U-N-D-A-E, where you go buy one or make one. Or just the Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, where you want to uh, just relax and do what you want to do. <laughs> just whichever way it hits you. But uh, I'm sorry that I didn't get you one for last week, but I've been having a really bad problem with my hands. The nerves in my hands have not been acting as they should and so um, I'm trying my doctor is trying to get me an appointment with a neurologist she thought she had me one but um, they weren't taking any in until 23 so (laughs) um, but fortunately they just got two new ones in and so maybe I'll get one of them. But anyway, enough about that. Um, let's see if we can get the house clean and done here. And by that I mean, I don't want to forget to say that if you like what you hear, um, give us comments. Um, you can email me at afternoon radio theater Sunday at gmail.com oh and that's afternoon radio theater s-u-n-d-a-y at uh, gmail.com and you can listen to us live on facebook whose blind life is it anyway you can like us and um you can do the same with youtube subscribe to our channel and um all of that good stuff and hit your notification bell and you'll hear us every time and then um, on Twitter you can like us and follow us at blind who's b-l-i-n-d-w-h-o-s-e Twitter wouldn't let Victor put the whole thing up there for whatever reason and so he just could get blind who's and so that's why you don't have the who's blind life is it anyway and um, but if you if you don't like any of that those methods or if you don't like if you don't just don't have time to catch them when they come on or catch us when we come on at 2 on Sunday or any of the other 
uh, podcasts. Um, we are on every and any podcast player that you want to find. So, um, you can find us on Google. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, you can find us on the Echo and, uh, you can find us on the, the Victor machines, I'm told. Um, so there's not much place you can't find them. I, I use Q, QCast on my computer and I, I find them. So there you have it. Um, and I think I've, taken care of all of that and so um, today my Sunday is not really going to be a Sunday it's going to be a uh, chocolate dip cone from Dairy Queen and I put that in the freezer and when I get ready to do my strawberry then um, I'll take it out of the freezer and put my strawberry and whipped cream on it. I hate those maraschino cherries. <laughs> I just can't stand them. So I just do a strawberry. If you guys like them, that's fine. Uh, my sister, she loves them. I can't stand them. But, uh, now I do love the cherries that, you know, like, that you put in pies and those kind of things. But, uh, and wild cherries, but I just don't like maraschino. Ugh. But, <laughs> so much for that. I'm sure you don't really care too much about that. So, on with the show. This first one that I'm gonna play for you. Oh, yeah. duh, Monica, Pepsi Mama, where's your head? Um, what I'm doing for you today is family shows, and I did the last time I did family comedy and it was suggested that I do some more. And, um, so today I'm doing, well, like, and even when I did family comedies last week, uh, or the last time that I did this, uh, it was comedies except for I, I shoved a family doctor in there and I shouldn't have done that if I was going to have it be comedies, but oh well, it worked out. And um, so, anyway, this week I'm going to do some more family shows. But, you know, family can mean a lot of things. Um, Some of my favorite uh, old-time radio show people. Uh, that they do family shows a lot, like, uh, like Fibber McGee and Molly and Great Gildersleeve and, uh, Father Knows Best and stuff like that. And I do the same thing. And, but what I'm getting at today is that, uh, I wanted to pick some shows that you might sit around and listen to with your family if you were back in there. So, if you were back in that time, 
So, this one that I've got is called The Couple Next Door, and it's just your, it's just your usually uh, garden variety family show, and uh, you got your next door neighbor and your couple, and they they sit around together, and they talk, and they get into uh, some situations, but uh, uh, this one is called Lost Car Key. A Couple Next Door, written by Peg Lynch and starring Peg Lynch and Alan Bunce. Look outside, dear. Look. Oh. Uh, Imagine no snow at all when we went to bed, and now look at it. Uh, oh, isn't it lovely? Oh, yeah, oh. just lovely. I got to get out there and shovel the driveway before I get the car. <laughs> Come on, I get up. Oh. I made a surprise for you for breakfast. Those rolled egg pancakes you like with brown sugar inside. Oh, hey. <laughs> you said you were tired of the same old things for breakfast, so I made a New Year's resolution to be a better wife. And fix you some special things once in a while. Here's your bathroom here. Oh, thanks. Now, look, Johnny, have I ever complained that you weren't a good wife? (laughs) Well, no, dear. Come here. Good morning, darling. Good morning. Give me a kiss. (laughs) That's very nice. Here, let's try that again. (laughs) Well, darling, the pancake will be cold. Look, heck with a pancake. <laughs> yeah, I, I fixed the pancake specially. Oh, okay, okay, boy, you complain I'm not romantic, and then when I am. Oh, well. All right, look, Johnny, I'll shave and dress. I'll be down in exactly seven minutes. Now, where's the toothpaste? Well, hurry, because Betsy isn't awake yet, and I thought we could discuss a few things. There's the toothpaste. Such yeah. oh. as some New Year's resolution. Yeah, you know what happens to New Year's resolution. <laughs> well, now that Betsy is six and a half years old and understands so much, we should be much more careful not to quarrel in front of her. Quarrel? Who's quarreling? You get along better than any other couple I know. Look at the Buckley. Look at Watson. Oh, yeah, huh? I know. They're terrible. Yeah. I know we're not like that. Let's just say that some of our disagreements yeah. or discussions ought not to be in front of Betsy, you know, so she doesn't get a feeling of insecurity, you know. Yep, yep, yep. I guess you're right. In front of her, we should always be, you know, sweet and loving yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Well, honey, I'm never really mad at you. You know that, even when we disagree. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. But I thought if there were some things about each other that annoy the other person, we ought to discuss them intelligently when we're alone. And the other person should accept it in the spirit it's given. Yeah, 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 I guess so. I need some more shaving cream. For example, there are probably dozens of little things I do, you know, that annoy you. Oh, I don't know about that, darling. You're just about perfect as far as... Where's my razor? Oh, well, you are too, dear. But I have made sort of a list. Where the heck is... What do you mean, a list? Here's your razor, dear, right here. What do you mean, list? Resolutions for us, dear. Now, we'll discuss it at breakfast. Now, hurry down, sweetheart. I'm going to try and always be on time when we go places. Well, that's good resolution, darling. By the way, these pancakes are marvelous. Go on, go on, go on. Well, I won't interrupt your stories when you tell them in front of people. Fine, thank you, darling. Even when you have the facts wrong. Fine. What do you mean? And in the future, I resolve not to get annoyed with you when you strew the newspapers all over the floor, or when you use my comb and get hair oil on it, 
or when you leave the bath towel in a wet lump on the floor, or when you finally decide after weeks to repair something just when I get dinner on the table, or oh, when now, you... Oh, wait a minute, will you? Your list of resolutions sounds more like a list of grievances about me. <laughs> oh, dear, not really. It's your home. You earn the living, and you should be comfortable, you know. Boy, I certainly sound like a delightful person to live with. <laughs> well, you are. I only mention these things because if there's anything I do that annoys you, I... I'll try to change it. Oh, well, yeah. I can't think of anything. Now, I know there are things I, I do, you know. No, no. Well, Don, look, come to think of it, there is. No. I just... No, 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 never mind, never mind. No, it's not no. important. Well, what is, what is no, Don, look, you're just getting mad. Oh, why and... should I get mad? That, that's why we're doing this, you know. Well, uh, there. Now, look, it's nothing, darling, really, but you do have this little habit of saying, you know, you know, you know, huh? you pack it on at the end of every sentence. Oh, <laughs> What do you mean? Well, I, I, I think we ought to do this, you know, and that's what I told her, you know, that that kind of thing. Oh, well, thank you. I, I didn't even know that I did it. I, I guess we do get into careless speech patterns. Like you say, yep, 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 an awful lot. And you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You say that all the time, dear. I, you don't mind my telling you. Well, no, no, not at all, darling. I'm glad that I do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're well, I'll, I'll, I'll have to watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else I do that annoys you? Well, now, look, darling, I know it is silly, but I wish you wouldn't finish my crossword puzzle. I uh, didn't finish. Oh, sit. Oh, there's Betsy. Now, come on down, dear. We'll talk about this more tonight, Yeah, huh? yeah, you are right, darling. We really should be very careful in front of Betsy, not to have even the slightest disagreement or raise our voices. Yes, yes. Now, honey, anything like that can upset a child's emotional security. It's true. And... <laughs> well, good morning, Betsy girl. You're still sleepy, <laughs> sweetie. Uh-huh. You come here. Come on, here. That's Daddy's girl. Huh? Fine, Daddy. <laughs> Mommy made pancakes today. I don't want any. I thought you loved pancakes, dear. I just want raisin toast. Oh. Oh, well, all right, dear. All right. But, Pete, why do you give in to her like that? She should eat what we're having, what's on the table. This business of always ordering her meals as though she's at the Waldorf Astoria and you just jump together. She hardly eats anything. I'm so glad to get anything down She should down eat her. what is on the table. When I was her age, Mommy. by golly. Dear, <laughs> dear, dear, I, I know you're right, Daddy, but... <laughs> Oh, oh, well. <laughs> you, you see, Mommy made the pancakes for Daddy, Betsy. So even if you wanted one, you'd have to ask if you could have one of his. And I don't know whether he'd give you one. <laughs> yes, he would, wouldn't you, Daddy? Maybe if you ask him real nicely. Uh, may I have one of your pancakes, Daddy? Oh, yes, dear, of course. I'll go in the other room, get a clean ape and a syrup is sticky, and I don't want you to get it all over you, dear. Well, Pete, Pete, I certainly don't agree that that is the yes, right way to handle it. It's the only thing that works. Say no, and they want it. I'd rather be wrong than have a die of starvation. No, if she's hungry, she'll eat. Oh. That is the key to the whole situation. And another thing is... We were not going to argue in front of her, and we have got to present a united, happy front. Mm. And if you recall, last night for dinner, she had two string beans, which I certainly do not... Oh, man. There's our girl in her pretty new apron. Well. <laughs> ah, she... Oh! Oh! Key! Your car keys! Why? Oh, you just said the word key, and I suddenly remembered. I went out to the garage last night to see if you left the hammer out there, and when I locked the garage... I locked the garage door, I dropped the keys, and I couldn't find them. So I thought, well, we'll get them this morning, you know, when it's light. Okay, okay, well, okay. Yeah. All right, you suddenly fly off and get so upset over things, and we'll find them. There's just... My car keys. Yes. 
The peaks ain't going to four feet of snow. I know. That's what Why I Why did thought. you take my car keys? I lost mine. Oh, not again. I've said many times we ought to have more than two sets of car keys. Two sets? Anyway. We ought to have 52 sets. At least once a week you lose your keys. Now i got to shovel the front walk and drive in and look in the snow for the darn keys before I can even get the car out. Oh, where's my other overshoe? Daddy said darn. You eat your breakfast. I think yes. you looked for the keys last night. I couldn't find the flashlight. There's oh. your overshoe. Yeah. And you were taking a bath when I came in. I didn't think you'd want to get dressed and go out and look for them. And I didn't know it was going to snow. I got an early appointment at the office and I... Well, oh, sorry. you lose the keys. You lose the flashlight. Uh, if you would put things back. Yes, you but, get through but it. the flashlight is down on your workbench, Daddy. You had it yesterday. You, you eat your breakfast. I love you, Mommy. Thank you, dear. Daddy loves me, too. He's just joking. He's not really mad, are you, Daddy? I... No, 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 Daddy. Daddy just loves to shovel snow and look for our car keys underneath it. And... Let's make kind of a game out of it, Daddy, shall we? Betsy can help shovel. Would you like that? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I want to shovel, too. And, Daddy, <laughs> who finds the car keys first wins the prize? What oh, would it be? Please, I oh, lollipop. Oh, lollipop. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Where do you think you dropped them? I told you I was standing right there, and the keys just flew out of my hand. No, dear, not yet. If you do find the keys, why don't you kind of toss them back in the snow over near Betsy? So she's the one who finds them. Listen, you know. if I find the car keys, I'm not going to toss them back in the snow. I'll well, I just you thought, you know, she likes to win, dear, and she's little. Now, look, everybody can't win. She's got to learn to be a good sport about things. I, oh, look at the time. I am so late. Well, I'm sorry, dear. Never. I'll keep shoveling. <laughs> car keys, and I couldn't find them. And then I remembered this bunch of house keys, which also has a garage key. Then where in Sam Hill are my car keys? Well, I don't know. I put it in your pocket. Why don't you look, dear? Did Daddy find the keys? Well, yes, he found the ones that were lost, dear, so he wins. Here they are. Here they are, right in my coat pocket. You should have looked. You win. Daddy, that's the lollipop? Yes, Daddy won. Here's the lollipop, Daddy. I don't want any lollipop. Oh, golly, all the time I've been sifting that snow oh, and looking. No, no, Daddy found the key, so he wins the lollipop. No! Oh, let her have it. Let her have it? You're the one who just said oh. she had to learn to be a good sport. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Look, I've got to get the car. I shovel and shovel and shovel. We all shoveled. That was the game. I don't care. It isn't fair. Daddy had a bigger shovel. 
Daddy won the lollipop. Oh, look. I... That's just Mark's right in the house. He's up to your room. Go on. No, Mark's right I hate you. I'm not going to live with you anymore. All right, you pack your suitcase. We don't want anybody living with us who isn't a good sport. Well, now, why are you just standing there? Don't the garage doors open? She hates us. Oh, all children say that when they don't get their own way. This may be one of her most vivid memories when she grows up, that her father took a lollipop away from her. Oh, and... go to work. I'm going in to see if she took off her overshoes before she scrapes upstairs. Uh, where's the car? The what? The car! The car! Where's the car? You took it to Bailey's garage Saturday to have it checked. Didn't you pick it up? No. I forgot. I, I, how dumb can you get? Well, I get... anyhow, honey, we got the driveway shovel. Oh, poor Betsy, I don't know if she's got a chance of growing up to be normal with two parents like us. <laughs> well, come on, come on. I got to go and call a taxi. Uh-huh. so late now that I... Well, you call a taxi, will you, honey? I'll just run upstairs and then, then see if... Uh... And see if what? Well, just see if Betsy's all right, you know, and say goodbye. You know what I mean. I do indeed, and don't you dare give her that lollipop. Oh, I certainly not. I wouldn't think of such a thing. Oh, I'll bet not. Don't give in. That's the whole point of this. Oh, Father, what's the use? Your taxi here, dear? Yes, 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 yes. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Did you give her that lollipop? No, I did not. Did you tell her not to tell Mommy? No, I did not. I know better than that. I was very nice, but I gave her a little lecture on being a good sport, and she listened, and she understood, and we parted very good friends. So she doesn't hate you. <laughs> I, I wasn't worried about that, oh, you know, really. Oh, where's my hat? My, my hat, hat, my hat. Right there, right there. Well, oh. I'm glad we taught her a lesson. Yeah, look if I got look a mm-hmm. Oh, look, I'll, um, I'll pick you up about 6 o'clock. I'm taking you both out to dinner tonight, what? so dress up. Taking us out to dinner? How come? Well, well she likes to dress up in her party dress, and... Well, they give free lollipops to the kids at the Red Barn Inn. Well, how did she swing the deal? Whenever I suggest eating out... Goodbye, darling. Bye. You know, I'm going to stop worrying about my daughter and take a few lessons from her. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye. Couple Next Door is written by Peg Lynch and stars Peg Lynch and Ellen Bunce with Madeline Pierce as Betsy and is produced by Walter Hart. This is Warren Sweeney inviting you to listen tomorrow to The Couple Next Door. y'all enjoyed that one um next i have is good old philbert mcgee and molly um and they um this one Filber is an encyclopedia salesman and you know what that's gonna look like if you hadn't seen this one but i just love this show uh uh the woman they are husband and wife in real life and uh, I don't know if they had children or not in real life but uh, anyway the McGee's didn't on the program but they had uh, they had this little girl 
named Teeny that would show up just about every day and it would she would drive Fibber crazy and uh, I mention it because um, she's in this one and I didn't know it for a while but um, Mary the one that plays Molly uh, she does that little girl's voice and I just love to hear how many more she could she could do I wonder if she could ma- match Mel Blank. <laughs> uh, but here we go with the Encyclopedia Salesman. The Johnson Wax Program. of Johnson's Wax present another harmonious and hilarious half hour with Rico Martelli's orchestra and starring Marion and Jim as Fibber McGee and Molly. Later in our program, I want to tell you about a free gift that we have for everybody, especially the children. And now Martelli and his men start things off with Whose Honey Are You? Wrap it up, Rico. put some glow coat on it and make it shine like new. If your floors are polished and clean, they radiate brightness and make the whole house a pleasanter place to live in. It's so easy to keep floors and linoleum in perfect condition if you use Johnson's Glow Coat. This remarkable no-rubbing polish dries in 20 minutes and shines as it dries without help from you. You merely spread a little glow coat lightly over the floor surface with a soft cloth or the special glow coat applier. Then forget about it for 20 minutes. Come back again and see the bright, beautiful glow coat polish dry and ready to walk on. Dirt and dust can't get a foothold on a floor protected with glow coat. The luster lasts for weeks at a time and saves you hours of floor cleaning work. Look for the attractive yellow can with the lettering Johnson's Glow Coat. By the way, remember you save money by buying the larger sizes. (laughs) 
Well, uh, Fibber doesn't seem to be able to hold a job. But here is one that just fits him. <laughs> so, if your doorbell rings, better not answer it for a while. Fibber McGee, the demon salesman, is at large at the corner of 14th and Oak Street, Wistful Vista. He and Molly are about to make their first call to sell encyclopedias. See how that sales talk goes? When I open the door, I say, Good afternoon, ma'am. Are you a college woman? Or a college man, in case may be. And I say, In these ten volumes, it stores up the entire wisdom. Oh, of I got it. Uh, what's the name of that volume you got on top there, man? A to C R U N. A to Crumb. A to Crumb. What's the next one? Crumb to Dust Pan? No, it's uh, it's Crumb to Dope. Uh, don't get personal, Mike. Let's see what I got here. Oh, here's a good title. G L U B to I R K. Glove to Earth. <laughs> I think this is the one I'll show him. Glove to Earth. Then I can say, lady, I'll say, into this here single volume, I'll say, is the entire sum of the world's knowledge on all subjects from glove to earth. <laughs> glove, she'll say? Why, sure, I'll say. Glove. All kinds of gloves. Boxing gloves. Golf gloves. Oh, McGee, skip the glove and go to work. <laughs> Where do you think we ought to start, Mark? Oh, I don't know, McGee. I don't suppose it makes any difference. How about this house here? Oh, okay, Mark. Come on. I'm going to get a big kick out of this. <laughs> I wouldn't be a bit surprised. <laughs> Don't be like that, Molly. Wait till I start the old McGee salesmanship on, though. All right, ring the bell. Do I look confident, Molly? No, you look scared to death. <laughs> Why? Well, I just asked. The book says to assume air confidence. Oh, good afternoon. Well, what's the matter, Sonny? Oh, <laughs> Mrs. Tweedledeck. I didn't know you lived here. Oh, you didn't, eh? No. Well, I didn't know you were interested or I'd have had it broadcast over the radio. What do you mean ringing a girl's doorbell in the middle of the day like this? My goodness, I didn't get home till about five o'clock this morning and uh, I've got a head like a boiler factory. <laughs> five o'clock, huh? I came home in a sidecar and vice versa. <laughs> well, listen, Mrs. Wheeldeck. Are you a college man? I mean, are you a college girl? College? Oh, yes. Bring more. Bring more what? McGee. I mean, uh, you being a college gal, Mrs. Wheeldeck, you'd be interested in this here encyclopedia. In these ten volumes is stored up the accumulated wisdom of the ages, Mrs. Wheeldeck, the sum of human knowledge since time immemorial. With your background, the university training, Mrs. Wheeldeck. Now, you... wait a minute, Skippy. I only learned one word in college that ever done me any good in the world. It's the one word that every girl ought to learn first, remember always, and use frequently. What's the word? No. <laughs> Can you beat that, Molly? <laughs> I thought I had her going for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> then you found she had you going. Nice going, McGee. Fine salesmanship. Oh, well. Book says don't let a few sailors get you down. I got the law of averages onto my side, Molly. <laughs> I don't think it's being enforced these days, McGee. <laughs> Try this place. Okay. Well, where's the doorbell? There isn't any. Use the knocker. Okay. Open up there, whoever you are. This here's old man opportunity knocking, and he knocks but once. Belly sorry, please. Nobody home. Hey, what you mean there's no... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, well. There must be a chink in your armor, McGee. <laughs> Never mind, Molly. I'll show you yet. Now, here. Here's a nice, prosperous-looking joint. I'll remember what the book says, McGee. Look them right in the eye and... Well, what's your racket? Speak up, McGee. <laughs> Good afternoon, sir. Are you a college man? Yeah. University of Alcatraz. <laughs> Heavenly days, Alcatraz. That's a good school, bud. Lots of my friends went there. You being a college man, you'll be interested in this here encyclopedia. In these ten volumes, bud, is stored up... Skip it, Dopey. I've been stored up too long myself to be interested, see? McGee, don't you know where Alcatraz is? Oh, sure. It's a college in Pennsylvania, ain't it? <laughs> oh, California. Oh. And it's the same as Leavenworth, without the share of applied electricity. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you a lot of your friends went there. Oh. How'd I know you? Hey, Molly, how about this house there? Ooh, looks good, McGee. Heavenly days, I, I hope you get a chance to use the rest of that sales talk. I haven't heard but the first two lines yet. Now, don't worry. You'll hear it. Maybe you better let me try this one, Lily. Oh, you ain't had experience, Mr. You see, what you got to do is... Hi, mister. What you want? Oh. <laughs> Hi there, sis. Are you a college woman? Er, <coughs> is your ma home? Hmm? I said, is your mother home? She ain't my mother. She's my aunt. Well, then, is your aunt home? Hmm? Is your aunt home? Is anybody home? I'm home. Yeah. I mean, can you... Uh, well, who... Listen, little girl. Isn't there some older person here? Older than who? Older than you. Oh, uh, you don't know how old I am, even. No, we don't know how old you are, and we don't give no, a... No, don't say it. <laughs> I bet you're 11 if you're a day. What day? Saturday. What difference does it make what day? Just. I don't know. Now, wait a minute. This, we ain't getting no place. Are, are you all alone in the house? No. Oh, you ain't, huh? No, I'm on the porch. Say, now, listen here. Not very B-R-I-G-H-T, is she, McGee? What say, Molly? I say she isn't very B-R-I-G-H-T. No, I'll say she ain't. She's oh, pretty... I guess I'm bright enough to know we don't want any E-N-C-Y-C-L-O-P-E-D-I-A-S. <laughs> McGee, stop muttering in your beard. I haven't got a beard. <laughs> Well, you will have by the time you sell your first book, I think. <laughs> oh, shucks, Molly. Let's go home. Oh, no. Now, remember what the instruction book says. Don't be discouraged if you're rebuffed. <laughs> rebuffed? <laughs> Not so loud, Molly. <laughs> Harpo Wilcox might hear you and start talking about glucose. No rubbing, no rebuffing. It. <laughs> How's this next house? Well, let's try it. Maybe that there college approach ain't right, Molly. Oh, well, the instruction book says... Oh, how do, mister? Are you a college... Hello, Fifi. Oh, Nick the Popular. <laughs> I, I didn't 
didn't know you lived here, Nick. How do you do, Mr. Depopolis? Hello, Cupie. Uh, come in. Come in and sit up and take notice. <laughs> Won't you walk into my fly paper as you fly to the little Miss Muffin? <laughs> uh, sit down. Uh, sit down, Cupie, and tell me what I'm all about. Oh, no, we can, Nick. We're out selling encyclopedias. Oh, that is very fine working if I can get it, I think, Cupie. Uh, Settling uh, impedia bicycles? <laughs> Besides, Nick, I, I see you got company there. Oh, so... he's nothing. I think you're forced to knowing him yourself. Why, hello there, Molly. Hello, hey, Pepper. Oh. Heavenly days, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> well, I didn't recognize you, Harpo. With your mouth closed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say. What you doing here? Uh, these Wilcox, she's selling me some carloads, she hopes. Are these fine glowing coats for my restaurant floor? Oh. oh, well, I hope we're not interrupting. Oh, not a bit, Molly, not a bit. Nick is an old customer of mine. Sure, Cupie. Uh, what Will Scott is saying is nothing but the truth, so help you cross my heart. Uh, he is for to being very fine salesmanship. Well, you know, I have a very fine product. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. I must get in touch with Marcelli. Uh, may I use your phone, Nick? Sure, Will Scott. You will find a nickel in your trousers' pockets, I think. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> uh, uh, hello. Uh, hello, operator. Operator, give me NBC. Thanks. Uh, Studio A, please. You know, Molly, I was just telling... Oh, hello. Hello, Rico. Hello, Hopper. Uh, <laughs> Rico, it's time to play that swell number that was submitted in your amateur contest. You know, I'll feast my eyes on you. Written by John Carter of Bloomington. Oh, by the way, ask Charlie LeVere to sing the lyrics, will you? We'll catch it on the radio over here at Nick DePoplin. Thanks, Rico. Potatoes and sliced tomatoes are swell with savory stew. But I'll take a dinner plate empty and feast my eyes on you. Watermelon and ice cream, chicken livers and breast. I'll admit that I like them, but lovin's what I love the best. Apple dumpling and suet pudding are very tasty, it's true. But I'll give the goodies the go by and feast my eyes on you. Let's have 
shortcake, that's my daily request. I love strawberry shortcake, but lovin' what I love the best. Orange marmalade, pickled peaches are very tasty, it's true. But I'll give the goodies to go by and keep my eyes on you. Last week, Marcelli is playing dinner for one, please, Jimmy. And now he's feasting my eyes with you, which is also no good for restaurant business. I think this Rico Marcelli is building me down to a terrible letter. <laughs> Get on with your telling, McGee. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Oh, oh uh, you a college man, Nick? College man? No. No? No, it's a funny thing, Caesar. There is perhaps more college men is Greek than Greeks is college men. You grab me? This is for the same reason that the colleges has got many fine alphabeta gamma clubs, while us Greek people, we are forced to join these rotary clubs. So I'm going round and round. <laughs> yes. Well, as I was saying, Nick, you not being a college man, owning a set of encyclopedias like these here will give you the background you need. Because in these ten volumes is stored up the accumulated wisdom of the ages. The sum of human knowledge since time immemorial. I'm sitting on a needle and pin, Spitzer, so I'll get to the point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Nick. Oh, where was it? Oh, yeah. In these ten volumes is stored up the accumulated... Thank wit- you. Dad, 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 if you two had quit interrupting me, I could finish. I'm not both unless I start over. <laughs> In these ten volumes is stored up the inu- ten books of volume three times is now thirty books, I'm thinking. <laughs> quiet, Nick. Sure, Fizzer. I'm being as quiet as a rat. <laughs> you too, Cupid. Okay. In these ten volumes is stored the accumulated wisdom of the ages. The sum of human knowledge since time immemorial. And <laughs> in these ten volumes is stored oh. up the hu- No. With your background. Oh, yes. With your background... No, no, Molly, that's where you switch if he ain't a college man. These books, my friend, will give you the background you need for your daily affairs, your social contacts, and your business associations. Sure, I know these business assassinations, Caesar. Uh, They've been after me to join the Chamber of Shameless. Chamber of Commerce, you mean? Chamber of Shameless. In these ten chambers of commerce... (laughs) Chuck, who's selling this, anyway? Nobody, I'm thinking, Caesar. Anyway, Nick, these encyclopedias is hot stuff. <laughs> Tells you anything you want to know. Is that so? Why, sure, Nick. It's got something about everything in it. For instance, it tells you how far the sun is from the Earth. 93,100,000 miles. Hmm, and still I'm forgetting sunburn and a swimming beaches. <laughs> this is a wonderful book, Fizzer. I'll say so, Nick. Now, suppose you ask me a question, and I'll snap you the answer so quick it'll make your head dizzy. Huckley duckly. Uh, let's see now. Give a hard one, now. Why is this? That a man is holding up some drinking glass and he's saying, here's to you, and then he is drinking it himself, and you don't get some. <laughs> also, you are saying, here's mud in my eye, and it's only beer down my neck, maybe. <laughs> it's all very confusion. What, what is the meaning of these things? <laughs> That's a very reasonable question. Look it up, McGee. Look it up? Look it up where? How did... I mean, where did you find that in an encyclopedia? This book is not so good. It's simple things like that. It's thought to having no answers in it. He's right, McGee. It must be in the book someplace. Well, I'll see if I can find it. Let's see now. 
Mud in your eye. That'll come under mud. <laughs> M A M M. Uh, did you bring the uh, MIP to Opie volume? Now? <laughs> no, I've got nothing between Flit to Glob and Wow to Ziz. Hmm. These books is for having very funny names. I'm thinking. Uh, maybe you can look up something about the restaurant business in Zook to Nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. I, I got the mud volume here. Um, I'll look it up for you when I get home. Well, I'll look it up going. in the mud volume and give you the dirt later. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we better be going, McGee. Huh? You've got to sell some books someplace. Oh, no, I ain't no hurry, Molly. Nick's got a nice, comfortable place here. McGee! And while I hate to leave it, I guess we'd better get on with the Well, I'm sorry to be rushing you away from here, but it's all for the most, you think? Sure. He hasn't made many sales today. No, very few, in fact. Almost none. In fact, I ain't started. Well, Nick, we'll be seeing you. Good day to you, Nick. So long, Cupid. A uh, goodbye, Caesar. Oh. I'm wishing you for to have fine luck selling some wow to Zizzes, I hope. House, McGee. Now, do you know what you're going to say? Can you talk without backing up? No, oh, I can if nobody interrupts me, Molly. Ring the doorbell. There. Well, 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 how do you do? Good day, madam. What can I do for you? Howdy, brother. Are you a college Am man? I a college man? Yes, sir, I certainly am. A boy, I certainly am. Harvard 26. And you, sir? Why, uh, Peoria, 21 to 4. <laughs> Who's favoring me? Peoria. <laughs> well, sir, brother, with your college background, you can appreciate these here encyclopedias. In these here ten volumes is stored up the accumulated wisdom of the ages. Yeah. <laughs> the sum of human of knowledge, human knowledge since, since time immemorial. Yes, indeed. But here, here, what am I doing letting you good people stand out here in the wind? Come right in, make yourself at home. Your story interests me, my boy. You have the sealed personality, the frank, open manner, which should take you far on the high road to success. Come right in, sir. Step right in, madam. Right in, this. Well, thank you. We win. That's how they drown cats, McGee. Huh? In the bag. Don't be so pessimistic, Molly. This fella is no good. He's right. Now, let me see, sir. You were saying... Uh, I was saying, brother, that you being a college man, with your background, you could appreciate these here encyclopedias. In these ten volumes is stored up... Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know. What encyclopedias are these, my friend? These are the genuine encyclopedia phonetics. Ah, yes, ah, yes, ah, yes, I thought so. Thought so? Why, brother, I never mentioned the name yet. Ah, uh, but I am the publisher of this monumental work, my boy. Ah. I am J. Pollen B. Follett. Oh, sure. Compiler and publisher of the Encyclopedia Politica. Those scholarly, erudite, and esoteric of all compendiums, if I may say so. You may? 
I thought I was going to make a sale, bud, and you turn out to be the boss. Now, in your own personal set of the encyclopedia for the Well, uh, yes, but McGee don't own a set of it himself, Mr. Follett. You see, he... You see, Chief, I just... uh... What? A Follett salesman who doesn't own a Follettica? Well, do you know, my boy, that without a thorough study of this work, no man, no man, no woman, no child can hope by any stretch of the imagination to become a world success. Right here at your fingertips are the secrets of mankind. From the unwilling hands of the infidel, torn from the slopes of this land, rescued from the clumsy ruins of antiquity. No. Honest? Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Now tell me, tell me, can you tell me if the common lowly buttercup is ambidextrous or dehiscent? Why, of course you can. Do you know that in paragraph 14, page 208, volume 6, there is listed for the world to see a complete and efficient way to test your own backyard for the precious minerals of the earth? Right in my own backyard? Ah, yes. Ah, yes. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than I... Uh, and you know, my boy, no man, woman, or child can afford not to have for his very own, his own precious heirloom, a golden boon to be handed down from father to son, generation to generation. And you... You, a pilot representative, have been going through life without this magnificent heritage of the ages. Ah, oh, gee, Molly, we ought to own a set of them books at that, you know? Now, listen, McGee, don't fall Tell me there, boy. I will practically make you a gift of a deluxe set of the Encyclopedia Politica. To you, sir, only $333.50 and three years to pay. And all this, my boy, because you have impressed me with your honesty and uh, simplicity, particularly simplicity. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I know you're about to insist on paying the regular price. Your honesty and industry does the credit, my boy. Now, here's the pen. Here's the pen now. Sign right here, please. Oh. No, no, the next line. Oh. That's it. That's it, my boy. That's but it. McGee, how can we Let pay for that? Let me assure you that you'll never regret this purchase. Oh. The last day of your life. There you are, Chief. And here are your books. Oh, oh yeah. right. There we are. Good day, sir. And madam. Oh, and uh, watch that. Watch that. <laughs> <laughs> well... I jolly, we got him, Molly. Sure, we got him. We got stuck for $333.50 worth of books that we won't have no more use for than Adam's off-ox. Oh, now, Molly, don't be that way. Why, in these here ten volumes is stored up the accumulated wisdom. <laughs> Now, about the free gift that we have for you, especially the youngsters. Everybody who likes to spin a top, boys, girls, and grown-ups, will want to own a pair of the new Fibber and Molly spinning tops. A twist of your finger starts these little tops spinning, and they keep going as long as 90 seconds. Spin them on the dining table, desk, or the floor. Now, one top is blue, and the other one is yellow. And on one is a picture of Fibber, and on the other, a picture of Molly. In fact, I might say that Fibber and Molly are the top. Oh, Harpo. Ah. <laughs> well, well, listen, it's fun to spin one against the other and see which will go the longest. Now, here's the way to get these two Fibber and Molly tops free. Buy a can of the wonderful no-rubbing floor polish glow coat in the pint size or larger. Lay a thin piece of paper over the face of the can and trace the letters Johnson's glow coat. Send your tracing of the two words Johnson's glow coat to Fibber and Molly in care of this station, and you'll receive two of these clever spinning tops free. 
Trace the lettering with pencil if you like. You don't have to do a fancy job. Even a child can easily trace the words from a regular can of glucose. Then, mail the tracing to Fibber and Molly in care of this station, and you'll get these two clever little tops free of charge. And now, March Elliott and his men give us March winds and April showers. Take it, Rico. invite you back to Wistful Vista next Monday at this same hour. Until then, don't forget about the new Fibber and Molly spinning tops. They're just out and every McGee fan will want to own them. On one of these little tops is a picture of Fibber and on the other, a picture of Molly. These tops are not for sale in stores. You can't buy them, but you can get two of them free just by tracing the word Johnson's Glow Coat from a regular can of Glow Coat, pint size or larger. Send this tracing to Fibber and Molly in care of this station and you'll receive a pair of Fibber McGee and Molly spinning tops free. This offer expires April 30th. This is Harlow Wilcox, one of the floor horsemen who knows his oats, his bloke oats. Good night. <laughs> this is a national... Bro- this next one um, is... This is a show called Family Theater, and they, it's, it's a heartwarming, inspirational show. You have a, you have a star at the beginning and at the end who talks to you about family and prayer and a little inspirational stuff and, uh, what prayer means to family theater. They always say the family that prays together stays together. But, um, anyway, this one is called I Give You Maggie. And I have never listened to this particular one before. And I thought I had just about heard them all, but I hadn't. Uh, this one is about this young woman named Maggie. And, uh, she wants to marry this guy. And he only makes $35 a week and her daddy tells her that just ain't enough, but she's going to marry him anyway. So she does, and she has a lot of heartbreak in the beginning because nothing she wants ever works out. But she stands right along with him, and there comes a point uh, when she's getting old that she thinks that he's seeing another woman. And... Uh, in the end, it turns out that, you know, he tells her there's no one else and there never will be anyone else. It doesn't matter how she doesn't look now or how she looked before. He still loves her just as she is. And so that made her happy. And they stayed together. But I hope you enjoyed this one. I did.
This World Broadcasting System presents the Family Theater, starring Margaret Sullivan and Van Heflin, with Donald Crisp as your host. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. This is Donald Crisp. Since I'm your host this evening, perhaps I ought to tell you what you to expect in the next half hour. I'd better begin by telling you that this program, Family Theater, got its name because it's dedicated to your family. You know the word family can mean a lot of things. It can mean bitterness and struggle, or it can mean love and companionship, and all the most wonderful things in the world. Now all of us who are part of the Family Theater and that includes so many of you who listen, well, we feel that prayer, family prayer, can make the difference between an unhappy and a happy home. We have a simple conviction. A family that prays together stays together. Well, now you know why we call this program the Family Theater. But that doesn't mean you can expect a lot of preaching. Far from it. Tonight you can expect some mighty fine entertainment. You'll hear an original story by Walter Newman with a splendid cast. So let's listen to the play, I Give You Maggie, starring Margaret Sullivan and Van Heflin. The scene of our play opens in New York City on an October afternoon in the living room of a penthouse overlooking Central Park. A party is being held in honor of a young novelist, Tom Padgett. Two women, Mrs. Padgett and Daphne Lewis, literary editor, are leaving the crowded room. There, that's better. Have you ever heard anything noisier than a literary cocktail party, Mrs. Padgett? Well, this is the first I ever attended. Really? Here, you sit here on the couch and I'll take this armchair. Thank you. Cigarette? Oh, no, thank you, Miss... Oh, I'm sorry. Not at all. Daphne Lewis, oh, Mrs. Yes. Paget, assistant literary editor of the Times. Oh, yes, of course. I don't usually do this sort of thing, but we're so delighted with your husband's work that I thought it might make a rather good column for next Sunday if I interviewed you. The woman behind the author, you know, that sort of thing. I'm afraid it won't be very interesting. Oh, darling, of course it will. Though, frankly, it's not my personal dish of tea. Comfortable? Oh, yes. Ready? No, wait. Let me get a pencil out of my... There. Now, when did you and Tommy marry, Mrs. Padgett? Maggie, sit down. You're pacing a groove right across the living room. Is my mouth on straight now? You look adorable. Relax. It's ten past eight, Maggie. Does he always keep you waiting like this? Oh, let her alone, Mama. Stop picking on her. Mona, you be quiet. Maggie, what your mother and I can't understand is... Why you haven't had him up to the house before? After all, you've known him, uh, how long? Uh, three months? Four months? 
I don't like for you to be going out with a young man we've never seen and don't know anything about. Well, he was supposed to have come here several times. Maggie, something... is he serious? Oh, well, you'll see, Mama. What do you mean, I'll see? Maggie, there he is. I tell you, I don't like it, Bertha. Young girl to bring her boyfriends around so her parents can... Shh, Harry. Hmm. Tom, my father, my mother... Miss Bannon. How do you do? Mr. Bannon. Good evening, Tom. Sister Nona. Nona. Hello. Harry. Oh, yeah, here, here, here. Sit, sit down, Tom, sit down. Uh, we have to go. Uh, well, he can sit down for a minute, can't he? Uh, go ahead, Tom, sit down. Yeah, now. Maggie, uh, Maggie tells... <laughs> uh, Maggie tells us you've uh, knocked around a lot. Some. Well, that's uh, very interesting. Uh, what have you done, Tom? Nothing very much. Oh, you have, too. He's been all over and done everything. Well, that's fine. Fine. Go ahead. We'd like to hear. Well, I ran away from an orphanage about 12 years ago. When I was 14, I was a road kid for three years. Uh, road kid? Yeah, it's young hobo. Rode the rods and boxcars all over this country in Canada. Slept under bridges, begged from door to door. <laughs> I've been jailed as bum 20 or 30 times. Hmm. And what else? Oh, not much of anything. Well, he was a car hand in Wyoming until he broke a leg bulldozing. Dozing, and not then... dozing. Uh... Oh, dozing. And then he was a pearl diver and a beanery. That means dishwasher. And a lumberjack and a miner. And he did a hitch with the Marines and all like that. Hmm. Uh, what are you doing now? Just sitting here. <laughs> no, no, I, I oh, mean... Uh... Oh, well, I read a lot. That's how I met Maggie at the library. I guess she told you that, though. I'm trying to learn how to write. I think I'm going to be a writer. I suppose you've put aside a lot of money to keep you going until you begin to sell your stories. Mrs. Banner, I have a personal fortune of exactly four dollars. It's not, um, not very much, is it? No. In fact, after I take Maggie out for a walk tonight and buy her a soda, well, I'll have just about enough left for a marriage license in the morning. Maggie! Well, that's all right with you, though, isn't it, Maggie? I haven't made a mistake, have I? No, Tom... You haven't made a mistake. But what are you going to live on? Well, that, that will be a problem. I make 35 a week. Oh, there now, you see, we can easily manage on that, Mrs. Banner. You're going to let her support uh, you. Hold it, Bertha, hold it. Maggie, look, you're dead set on this. Dead set, Papa. Harry, you Bertha. can't... Now, look, you two. You hardly know each other. No matter how much you think you love each other, you can't live on love. So I offer this. Tom, if you'll come around to my office, I'll speak to the chief. And I'm sure we can slide you into one of the departments. Then, after a while, when you've saved a little money... Well, that's a very kind offer, Mr. Banner, but it would be just a waste of time for me. A waste of time to make a living for your wife? Well, it's a waste of time for a writer to do anything but write. Look, if you object to Maggie's working, why don't you give us some money? Give you? Just call it a business investment partner. Maggie, you're not going to marry this... Well, we sister. are going to be married, Mr. Bannon. I'd just start all of your thinking from that premise. Maggie. No, Papa. We're going to be married. Going against us, eh? Oh, no, not against you, Papa. Just in a different direction. If you marry this... this tramp, you can get out of this house tonight and stay out. Papa. No, I mean it. Give me your hand, Tom. I'm all... all shaky. Here, kid. Squeeze it. Squeeze hard. You ready, Maggie? Ready, Tom. Now, when did you and Tommy marry, Mrs. Paget? July 17th, 
1937. Uh-huh, I see. And how did it come about? Well, he just asked me, and I said yes. How unusual. <laughs> oh, don't mind me. So you married a budding genius. Was it difficult at first? How did you find it? Bitter? Sweet? Maggie? Yes? I'm finished for the day. Supper ready? Ready. It's been on the table for three hours. Why are you kidding? The closet? No, here. In the kitchenette. You managed to disappear in a one-room apartment. It's something <laughs> I... Oh, look, honey, I'm sorry about supper. You didn't wait for me, did you? Of course I waited for you. Well, you should have eaten. What's a cake and candles for? Is it my birthday? No, it's not your birthday. Oh, Tom, you've forgotten. Forgotten? Oh, no, 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 I didn't forget. Yes, you did. Our first anniversary, no, you forgot. I, I didn't forget, baby. Honestly, I've got a present for you. In my pocket. Now, wait just a second. Here, take it. What is it? No, it's a poem. You can read it. Can you read my writing? For Maggie on our first wedding anniversary. Now, go ahead, read it. If I could write the beauty of your eyes... And in fresh numbers, number all your graces. The age to come would say this port lies. Such heavenly touches, near touched earthly faces. You like it? Like it. Oh, Tom, it's beautiful. It's better than Shakespeare. It is Shakespeare. No. I didn't have time to compose one, so I just copied it. <laughs> it says what I mean, anyway. It's the nicest present I ever had. Well, then, give me a kiss. Oh, Maggie, you're a kissable wench. I think I'll renew my option on you for another year. Oh, Tom, I'm so happy. Yeah, me too, baby. You know, I turned out about ten pages today, and that you remember that character I told you about last night, Jonesy? Well, he's really beginning to come alive. You know, each week it gets better and better. Do you realize we'll be on our vacation this time next week? Our first vacation together? One week of it. One week of no subway and no office, no ironing, no dishes. Oh, Maggie, look, I'm going to tell you... We simply toss our $40 into the hotel owner's lap. In return, he gives us seven days of paradise. Well, there's no $40 anymore. What? Well, we, we don't have $40. We only have 12 But we... I don't understand. Well, uh, after you left for the office this morning, I uh, broke the typewriter, and the man at the shop said it had cost $18 to fix. It'd take about 10 days, and I rented the typewriter I'm using now for a buck a day. 18 plus 10 equals 28, 28 from 40 at least. No, no vacation. No vacation? No. Well, couldn't you have used a pencil? Oh, Maggie, no, don't. No. Oh, don't, please. <laughs> Maggie, listen. Uh, look, someday, pretty soon, maybe I'll finish the book and we'll sell it for a barrel of money and then we'll head for the beach at Acapulco or even Rio and, and we'll, we'll stay not just seven days, but seven months or as long as you like. And then when we come back... We'll... Oh, Maggie, now, don't cry, please. Come on, now, here. Blow. <laughs> I know you've looked forward to this vacation. I, I know how it is. Maggie, uh, hey, look. Now, look, when that Pulitzer Prize Committee rewards me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to propose this toast. Ladies and gentlemen, in accepting this award for literature, I do not accept it for myself, but for the person who really deserves all the credit accruing to my book. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Maggie. Let 
whole new publishing house for you. What? What does it say? Hurry. Wait, wait a minute. It says, uh... Oh, look, here, you, you read it. Look, I'm, I'm too nervous. I couldn't... Your Enchanted Hill huh? was one of the most unusual novels we've ever read. Tom! Oh, go on, go on, Maggie. Frankly, we consider it too advanced for present taste. And so on, and so on. And so on. I'm going for a walk. No, look, I'm all right, baby, honest. I just I just feel like walking to her. They're idiots. It doesn't mean a thing. Yeah. Well, I'll see you soon. Please, Tom, let me go with you. Please, Tom. Maggie. Maggie, where are you? In here, fixing the light cord. Guess what? What? What is it? Can anybody hear us? No, what is it? Don't tease me. I was walking down the block just now. Yes. And all of a sudden, down at my feet, I saw... What? What? This, this. A dollar bill. You found it? That's wonderful. I bet you were beginning to think I never would be a breadwinner. Well, Mrs. Padgett, instead of walking around the park this afternoon as we do every Sunday, we're going to observe the rites of spring. With a dollar? I'm afraid you lack creative vision. When I look at this dollar, do you know what I see? George Washington's picture. I see two round trips to Coney Island, 20 cents. Two buck beers, 20 cents. Two hot dogs, widow without mustard, 20 cents. And two rides on the merry-go-round, 20 cents. That's only 80 cents. What about the other 20? Philanthropy. The other 20 cents goes back to the sidewalk for the appeasement of tastes far less luxurious than ours. <laughs> Madam, grab your hat and let us away. Was it difficult at first? How did you find it? Bitter? Sweet? Oh, a little of both, I guess. Yes, a little of both. <laughs> My leading questions don't seem to lead anywhere, do they? Never mind. And all this while, Tommy just kept plugging away at his writing? Yes, that's right. Except for one period. Except for one period. When was that? Doctor, I'd like to know the truth. Mrs. Paget, I'll give it to you straight from the shoulder if you think you can take it. I can take it. Tuberculosis. Now, wait. We've caught it in time, I think. I know definitely after studying the x-rays, but I think we've caught it in time. Now, Mrs. Padgett, what was your husband's daily routine? He was up at 5.30 every morning, no matter what time we went to bed. Mm -hmm. He was at his desk by 6. He worked straight through until 8, 9 o'clock at night, sometimes later. How about his diet? Coffee for breakfast, no lunch. As large a supper as I could make him take. Uh -huh. And this has been going on for how long? Ever since we were married. Three years. Uh. Well, Mrs. Padgett, your husband will have to go away for a while. How long? Two or three years. Maybe longer. May I go in to see him, Doctor? Well, he's sleeping. I just want to look at him. All right. Don't let him talk too much if he wakes up. That you, kid? Shh. You're not to talk. The doc tell you? Yes. Well, we've been hit a pretty low blow. I know. Yeah, he wants me to go to Arizona. Listen, baby. Get a divorce. Tom. No, I mean it. I, I'm being objective, not noble. We've had the top of the bottle. Don't tie yourself to me. Stop this nonsense, Tom. Stop it at once. No, listen. Don't don't let sentimentality trip you up. That's where most people go wrong. You have to be hard and a little bit ruthless. 
If I'd let sentimentality get in my way, I'd have taken a job instead of writing. I'm not listening. Well, you've got to listen, Maggie. I know you're thinking that I'll be alone in a sanitarium or something, but, kid, look, I I've been alone most of my life, and I'm used to it. I never expected anything else. The times we've had together, well, that that's just been so much gravy for me. I, I never expected... gravy for you, has it? Well, what about me? You're used to being alone. Do you think... Do you think for one minute I could live without you? I couldn't. I'd die. Powers of darkness. Nameless fears. <laughs> I give you Maggie. And besides, that was a very hammy renunciation scene. Except for one period. When was that? During the war, he was ill. Tuberculosis. Was he in a sanitarium? Yes, in Tucson, Arizona. And you? Oh, I got a job at an army air base near him. I was allowed to see him twice a month. One of the officers used to drive me to town. Was this officer a friend? Well, Maggie, this is the last time I'll be driving you to Tucson. Spence, shipping out? Uh-huh. My squadron leaves tomorrow. Oh, Spence. Uh, there's something I want to say to you. No. Don't look at me. Look straight ahead. Maggie, I've been wondering if you know I'm in love with you. Very much in love with you. Don't, Spence. Can't help it. I'm not the suffering silence type. Spence, I think please. I've been in love with you ever since I reported for duty here and first saw you in the colonel's office. Maggie, I'm going to make it short. I want you to get a divorce and marry me. We can be married by proxy no matter where they send me, and I'll be back someday. No, Spence. Face facts. They're brutal, but they must be faced. Your husband is an invalid. He's been in the sanitarium how long? Two years? Three? He may be there ten more. And where does that leave you? You see him only twice a month. You can't even kiss him. No, Spence. Sure? Sure. Well, that's that, then. That's all the ammo on my clip. You know something? Sick as your husband is and healthy as I am, if I could change places with him, I'd do it in a second. And I'd think I'd gotten the best of the bargain. Was this officer a friend? Oh, yes, a good friend. How long was Tommy ill? Almost four years. When did he meet Felice Harrow? Oh, that was after we came back. That was a lucky break, wasn't it? Maggie Felice was wonderful. She thought the book was the best she'd ever read by a modern writer, and she's willing to devote all of her time to getting it published. Maggie, she's, she's just the sort of a literary agent I've been dreaming about. Really? What's she like? Felice, oh, I don't know. She's in her late 20s, I'd say. Smart as a whip. There lots of style. You know. Pretty? Oh, yes, sure. Enormously so. Maggie, I feel tremendously set up about this whole thing. Oh, I'd almost forgotten I'm, I'm going to have dinner at her place. We're going to talk over some rewrites. Oh, yeah. so? Well, now, mind you, I don't agree with all of them, but she's right about two or three of them. She's a smart girl. Look, uh, pick out a tie for me, will you, huh, baby? I'll wait up for you. I want to hear all about it. No, you better not. I may be pretty late, and you know how I can talk when I have a new audience. I'm going to take a shower and a shave. Hey, hey, look, do we have any money? I have a $5 bill. Oh, that's well. We'll put it in my trousers. Hey, shall I take her some candy? That might be nice. Yeah. Well, look, if she calls, we'll tell her I'll be there in no time. Not to worry about it, huh? Yes, I That was a lucky break, wasn't it? Yes, for both of them. Very attractive, isn't she? 
Yes, very. I think personal appearance is so important, don't you? Maggie, you look awful. I do. Awful. Well, you used to be such a pretty girl, too. You ought to be spanked for letting yourself run to seed like this. Oh, Mona, have I run to seed? Well, I don't mean you're hobbling around in slippers and an old wrapper, but... Well, you ought to look more chic. Look at the lines in your face. How old are you now? 31? Do you know how old you look? No, how old? 31. That's disgraceful. Well, you should look at least five years younger than 31, and at 41, you All should... right, all right, you've made your point. Where's Tom this evening? With Felice, I think. He's seeing a lot of her, isn't he? Why shouldn't he? She's his agent. Of course. Any news on the book? No, not yet, but Felice keeps trying. I'll bet she does at that. I think personal appearance is so important, don't you? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Did they accept the book for publication as soon as they read it? No, the Colonial Press was a new outfit. They didn't have enough money. That must have been a trying time. It was. We had to raise $2,500. Did you borrow from friends? No one says for you to go right in, Mrs. Paget. Thank you. Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Hello, Spence. Maggie, I'm... <laughs> Why didn't you write? Oh, I kept in touch with you through the newspapers. Captain Nolan on this island, Major Nolan on that one. I kept in touch. Did you really? Maggie, are you... Uh, is Tom... Completely cured. I see. And you and he are still... Still married. And in love? And uh, in love? Spence, look. I think Tom wants out. He hasn't said anything, but... Well, he's going to be a famous man, Spence, and I don't seem to fit into his life anymore. You know that line about successful writers and the women they happened to marry when they were young? Who is she, Maggie? Felice Harrell, Tom's agent. She's young and smart and literary just as Tom is, and... I'm sorry I didn't come here to let my heart out. I came to ask you for $2,500. $2,500? Yes, look, Spence, Felice can get Tom's book published if he can put up that amount. He's worked so hard for so long. It's a wonderful Shifting book. Sands. And he deserves to be... What? Shifting sands. I've been aware of it ever since I got back into civilian life. Everyone changes. Nothing's the same as when you last saw it. $2,500? All right. I'll give you $2,500 on one condition. That you divorce Tom and marry me. Divorce? Now, don't stop to think. Quick, what do you say? No. Oh, I knew it. Did I say everyone changes? No, I take it back. Everyone except Maggie. Still the fighter, eh, Maggie? Spence, You want to know something? If you said yes, you'd come no closer to 2,500 of my dollars than any other stranger. But you're no stranger, are you? Still the Maggie I remembered. Wobbly on your feet. Still punching her. Spence, you... I... Yeah? I'm the guy who's delighted to find one constant in a world of change. Maggie... I love you more than ever. May I give you a kiss? <laughs> well, that's the best offer I've had today. Did you borrow from friends? Something like that. And so the book was published and the rest is history. Yes, that's right. Well, I guess that's about all. Didn't hurt, did it? Well, I told you it wouldn't be very interesting. Almost everything concerning a Pulitzer Prize winner is interesting. It'll make a paragraph anyway. 
I'm terribly glad for Tommy and Felice. There aren't two nicer people in the literary game. Tommy's so good-looking. Mrs. Paget, may I say something? Yes. Well, if I were you and had a husband as attractive as Tommy... Oh, never mind. It's none of my business. Shall we go back to the party? I'd like to stay here for a moment, if you don't mind. I want to fix my hair. See you soon. You used to be such a pretty girl. Felice's wonderful, smart as a whip. That's a style. How old are you now? 31? You used to be such a pretty girl. I'm having dinner with Felice. Don't wait up for me. You used to be such a pretty girl. You mustn't let sentiment help you trip you up. That's where people go wrong. You have to be hard. You used to be such a pretty girl. Maggie? Hey, what is it, baby? What's happened? Uh, I, I was just looking in the mirror, and I found a gray hair. Oh, Tom. Tom, I'm not young and pretty anymore. I'm not, am I, Tom? No, Maggie. You're not pretty anymore. Merely beautiful. No. The face is beginning to line... There's a line between your eyebrows that wasn't there when we first got married. There's one I saw form when my first book was rejected. Here's another that was etched in while I was sick. Oh, there's several lines, to say nothing of that one gray hair. Maggie, you imbecile. I didn't marry you because you were pretty. There are thousands and thousands of pretty girls. You see them in the ads or gallivanting about in movies. Chorus lines and colleges are filled with them. Felice is a pretty girl, but you're beautiful. All the loveliness I saw deep down inside of you when we first met is pushing its way out. I say you're beautiful. Maybe I'm prejudiced, but you see, I, I happen to be in love with you. There now. Come on, blow. Now take my hand. Squeeze it. Squeeze hard, kid. You ready, Maggie? Ready, Tom. This is Donald Crisp speaking again. And thanking Van Heflin and Margaret Sullivan for such delightful performances. You know, if we could all have one wish, and that wish could be granted, I wonder what we would wish for. Happiness, probably. Of course, you'll always find people who say that it's pretty hard nowadays to have a happy family. It must be hard. Look at all the divorces. And it's pretty hard to bring up boys and girls we can be proud of. Look at all the cases of delinquency. No argument. Certainly it's hard to maintain a happy family. Certainly it's hard to bring up children properly. As a matter of fact, the job's apt to be too hard for even the best of parents. But you don't have to do it alone. You can get help. The most powerful help a man can ask for. But remember, you've got to ask for it. Ask and ye shall receive. Yes, ask God for his help. Pray. Pray with your children that God will help your family. You are never so unimportant that God won't listen and help you. Don't forget this. A family that prays together stays together. You'll never know how much prayer will do until you say one. Why not say one tonight?
before saying goodnight, I want to express our thanks to all of you who have helped make this program possible. Thanks also to Fred Mackay for directing our play tonight. To our producer, Bob Longnecker. Next week, our stars on the Family Theatre will be Robert Young, Roddy McDowell, and J. Carroll Nash. This is Donald Crisp saying, Good night, all. This series of the Family Theatre is made possible by the thousands of you who felt the need for this kind of program, by the mutual network which has responded to this need, and by the actors and technicians in the motion picture and radio industries who have volunteered their services to fulfill it. This program is heard overseas through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This next one, um, I love these guys, and my granddaddy used to like them too. <laughs> and, uh, but they are Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. And so, their guest this week was, um, but his, uh, his, uh, guest is, uh, Judy Garland, and it was a terrific show. For those of you who don't know, um, Charlie McCart, I mean, um, Edgar Bergen is a comedian, and he was usually on the Chase and Sanborn Hour. And I think other things as well. But, um, Charlie McCarthy was a puppet. And, and, uh, so Edgar was a ventriloquist. So, uh, he was able to throw his voice and do a lot with that puppet. So, and, and I just love him. And I, I hope you will too. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee, blenders and roasters of fine coffee since 1864, present Edgar Bergen. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, Ray Noble and his orchestra, our guest, the star of Metropolitan Mayor's Me and My Gal, Judy Garland, and Charlie McCarthy. Hello, Judy, me darling, darling. Hello, Charlie, what's cooking? Hey, coffee. <laughs> you want a mug? <laughs> Say, Charlie, do you know why a moth eats a hole in a rug? Uh, no. Uh, why does a moth eat a hole in a rug? To see the floor show. Oh! <laughs> Say, Judy, how are you doing with this uh, scrap rubber drive? Uh, you know, there's a there's a great surplus of uh, a rubber shortage. You yes, know. yes, yes. Yes, I've been too. turning in lots of it. Good. You know the saying, collect the ruber and beat shickle ruber. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anything that snaps means flaps for the gas. <laughs> Say, Mr. Noble, uh, uh, what have you uh, given, huh? Well, I'm thinking of contributing a, a tired monsieur down at my Turkish bath. A uh, tired monsieur at your Turkish bath? Yes. Uh, Worn out rubber. Jolly <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 good, I <laughs> Yes, well, <clears throat> 
I'll tell you what you can do, Mr. Noble. I'll go out and dig up some more of this scrap, and you and have that rubber band of yours play extra snappy while Judy sings. I never knew I could love anybody, honey, like I'm loving you. <laughs> <laughs> Over to the gas station. What do you say? Okay, Charlie, that'll be fun. Sure, it will. Just a minute, young man. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Hello, Bertie. You're not taking my Stanley steamer anywhere. No. No. I'm going to use it myself tonight. Well, oh. see you later, Charlie. Yeah, well, oh, it's nice of you to stick with me. Well, young man, if, uh, if you're going to use it, Bergen, you better give us time to take out the dishes and the clams first. Dishes and clams? Yes, sir. What are you talking about? Well, uh, you see, Skinny Dugan and me have been you know, taking that old car of yours down to the beach at Santa Monica. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, what for? Well, it's very good for... Now, don't get mad. No, no. But you will. No, what is it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Yes. It's very good for steaming clams. Steaming clams? <laughs> what do you mean? Your Stanley steamer is now McCarthy and Dugan's clam material. 
It's what? It's an auto grotto. Oh. <laughs> we specialize in the clam ram. I see. But where do you get these clams? We dig them. You dig them? Yes. Dig them? Yes. Dig, dig, dig. Well, all right, yes. I see. Well, that's not very easy work, is it? No, sir, it ain't. They're very sly, those little tricky things, yes. Those little sand squatters. <laughs> where do you find, how do you find where they're buried, Charlie? Well, you see, Skinny and me, we sort of sneak up on them. I see. And when we, when we see one, we make a noise like a lady clam. Lady clam? Yeah. And when the clams come up to see what's cooking, they are. I <laughs> Well, who does the cooking, you or Skinny? Uh, Pierre. Oh, Pierre. Yes, he's, uh, he's a cook. French cook. I see. You must taste his barbecue soup, yes. Oh, and his grunions with onion. Oh, <laughs> non gratis. Oh, I see. Oh, nothing. Yes, well, I'd like to meet him. He's waiting outside. He's in the cooker now. I see. I'll get him. Oh, Pierre. He's very sentimental. Yes, I know. Oh, Pierre Lesnard. Oh, Mortimer, so you're Pierre Lesnard, are you? <laughs> A French. Oh, yes. <laughs> bon door, Monsieur, bon door. <laughs> Regular Frenchman. Uh, yep, 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 yep. What? I mean, uh, oui, 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 oui. <laughs> yes. Uh, Parlez-vous français? Uh, oui, was, uh, uh, mm? I said, Parlez-vous français? No. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You're always clowning you and your Swedish accent. <laughs> No, I say, but uh, I, I understand you're a very good cook. Yeah, yeah, very good, yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm quite notorious. Is that so? Yeah. I guess you've heard of uh, heard of Oscar of the Waldorf. Yes, I've heard of Oscar of the Waldorf. Well, I'm Mort of the Fishwarf. I... <laughs> well, that's good, yeah. Now, tell me, I'm rather interested, Mort. Tell me about uh, the various things down there. How was your cuisine? Uh, there was about five of us there, uh... Uh, mm? I do. <laughs> Your cuisine. Oh, well, the only relative I got is Grandpa. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, I was speaking of your food. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm? What's the nicest dish you serve? Mm? The nicest dish you serve? Oh, the nicest dish. Uh, well, there's several. Yeah. The other day, a tall blonde and a baby. <laughs> no, no, no. You was mighty pretty. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, what's on your menu? Hmm? Your menu? No. Yes. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. No, I mean, uh, you, you must have a menu. I must, huh? Yes, uh, a bill affair. <laughs> a bill affair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you have on your bill affair? We don't use them, or you don't use them. <laughs> I just let the customers look at my apron. That tells the story. I... <laughs> we present two pictures, before and after. The first is a home at breakfast time. The person, Mr. and Mrs. Where's my hat? Aren't you going to finish your coffee? Nope, no time. So long. See you tonight. Well... You must feel married. 
I wonder what's the matter. That was before. Now, same scene, same people a few days after. Mmm, mmm, that coffee smells good. Uh, just wait until you taste it. Can't wait. Sorry, gonna taste it right now. Oh, don't burn yourself. I won't. Boy, that's good. Stuff like downtown. <laughs> like it? Like it. But there's flavor enough in that cup to make four of the old kind. It must be Chase and Sanborn. It is. A man's coffee. Lady, you come here to me. What? <laughs> Why? What have I done? Let's hear you say prune. Prune. <laughs> Once more. Prune. Did you get your Chase and Sanborn kiss this morning? If you didn't, get one tomorrow. Ask your grocer for the Chase and Sanborn coffee he's selling now. What kind of a cow have you? A heifer cow? A heifer cow? Mm hmm. Ah, I got a whole cow. I got a whole flock of cows. No, no, no. I got a flock of No, no, you don't understand. Not flock. Herd. Herd what? Herd of cows. Sure, I heard a cow. No, no, I mean a cow herd. What if I care for cow herd? I just say not to be a kid. Oh, I know. I'm not in the mood. You're not in what mood? A cow mood. Who cares for the cow mood? Maybe it's mood for me to come to milk her. No, no, talk says you don't know how to milk a cow. Who don't? You don't. One time I milked a thousand cows with my left hand. Why did you just milk with your left hand? That's my old cow hand. Oh, what else have you got on your farm? Have you any uh, bees? Bees? Mm -hmm. Sure, I've got a whole herd of bees. Now, there you go again. It isn't a herd of bees. It's swarm. What? It's swarm. Why don't you take your cover off? Now, look. Silly answer. 
How much honey does your bees give? They don't give any, but I'm satisfied. You're, you're satisfied? Mm -hmm. What good are bees if they don't give honey? They sting my mother-in-law. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to see that farm of yours. All right. I've got a picture of the place. Here. Let me see. See those two houses? Mm -hmm. One is the barn and the other one is my house. Well, which one is the house? The one with the horse looking out through the window. <laughs> Your farm house can't be fit to live in with a horse in it. I have to take good care of that horse. What do you mean? He's a race horse. What's that got to do with it? Me and Charlie McCarty bought it. He owns half and I own half. Which half does Charlie own? The half that gets the oats. What do you mean? I don't want to talk about my half. Why not? It's a long tail. All right, forget it. <laughs> Charlie? <laughs> I don't get it either. No, look, if Charlie's going to beat the horse, then he'll have to buy the horse's fodder. Why should he buy the horse's fodder? We've got one horse already. No, no, no you don't understand. Charlie puts the horse's fodder in a bag and hangs it on your horse's nose. Now, ain't our horse going to look funny with his fodder hanging on his nose? <laughs> your horse eats his fodder. What have we got, a cannibal? No, certainly not. Well, what does the horse's fodder eat? He eats his fodder. What do you know? Yeah. And what does the horse's mother eat? She eats her fodder. It's getting worse all the time. They <laughs> just keep picking on the old man. <laughs> Gonna run him in a big race at Kalahenki? Kalahenki? In other words, you're going to run him in a dirt. No, he don't look good in a dirt. He can't get over no, 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 no. I'm trying to find out about your horse. Is he a mother? How can he be a mother? And is she always a mother? Certainly not. Sometimes he makes a better mother than a she. Abbott, suppose a mama horse has little horses. Don't that make her a mother? Well, now that depends on her feet. <laughs> My horse's feet are okay. Outside of, uh, he limps a little with his front leg. Well, I see. He's having trouble with the foreleg. No, I just said he, he only limps on his two front legs. Well, Costello, your horse's forelegs are in front. What are those things in back? <laughs> Don't you understand? Your horse has forelegs in front and hind legs in back. Forelegs in front and hind legs in back. What I've got? A centipede? <laughs> Abbott, don't try to tell me about my horse. I know more about it than you do. I got him right there in the house. Now, wait. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Your wife worked hard to help you buy this little farm. Now that she has her home of her own, you deliberately inconvenience her by letting her sleep in the house with a horse. Well, the horse is clean. Never mind that. Well, I'm sorry. Now, you should be. You've got a nice big stable in the backyard, haven't you? Yes, sir. You have a nice clean stall with plenty of fresh straw on the floor? Yes, sir. Well, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Well, take well, a tumble yourself. I'm sorry I'm doing all those things. Well, what's wrong? What is I didn't realize what I was doing. Well, certainly. I just loved the horse. That was all. Well, you shouldn't do it. After all, it was a nice clean stall with plenty of fresh straw on the floor. You've got plenty of it out there. And, and it's a nice, big, clean stable. Certainly it is. I'll fix the whole thing up. What are you going to do? I let my wife sleep in the stable. No. <laughs> If there's music in your heart and you have an urge to get up and dance, it may be because today is the first day of summer. Or then again, it may be Jerome Kern 
Smoke it in your eyes, a la Ray Noble. to talk to you about. What is it, Charlie? Well, aren't you going to congratulate me? Why? Well, is it your birthday? No, silly. It's Father's Day. Oh, I know it is, but what's that got to do with you? Well, <laughs> ain't I your sweet daddy? Charlie, <laughs> <laughs> you're impossible. Oh, no. But say, did you buy Mr. Bergen a, a Father's Day present? Uh, well, I would, uh, you see, there was, uh, 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 no. <laughs> oh, Charlie, you're very, very thoughtless. Dolus is the word. Dolus, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Charlie, who was it who always cheered you up when things looked darkest? <laughs> well, that was 
Birkin did. Birkin did it again. And, and who was it who always nursed you when you were sick? Oh, that was Birkin. And who always loaned you money when you were broke? Well, I don't know. I never met the man yet. Don't change the subject. Well, I still think you should have gotten him something. Oh, so there you are, children. Uh, don't make anything about the son, you know. No, he doesn't. Oh, all right, all right. Climb upon my knees, sonny boy. Oh. <laughs> Though you're only 12, sonny boy. You do it right in front of me. Excuse me, don't you? <laughs> Uh-oh. Hello, son. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Hello, Baggett. Wonderful day, isn't it, Judy? <laughs> yes, it certainly is, Mr. Bergen. Mm. It doesn't rain, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Marvelous thing, fatherhood. Nothing like it. There's nothing more tender than the relationship between father and son. You're right, Mr. Bergen. Why, do you realize that 50% of the parents are fathers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My goodness, that's practically half, isn't it? <laughs> well, son? Yes? I don't suppose you have anything special to say to me or, uh... No. Or, uh, anything? Uh-oh. No, 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 sir. You, uh... No, no, no. <laughs> Not a thing, no. I see. Hasn't come, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Well, the day isn't over yet. I guess I'll just toddle along and leave you two children alone. (laughs) (laughs) He really expected something, didn't he? Of course he did, Charlie. Oh, the way he hinted it was rude, I thought. (laughs) (laughs) If I were you, I'd go right out and buy him something. Well, don't you think he'd be just as happy if I gave him one of those big Chase and Sanborn kisses? Listen, if I were you, I'd get him something to show what he's worth to you. What he's worth to me? Yes. The five and ten is closed today. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't know what to buy him. I don't. Well, I, I, I think I'd get him something practical. Yeah? Something he can use. Something he can use. Mm-hmm. How about a bowl? A bowl? Yeah, something to soak his bread in. <laughs> How about a billfold? Oh, he doesn't fold them. He buries them. <laughs> hey, do you think he'd like, uh, uh, you know, clothing, huh? Well, I've never seen him go anywhere without it. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'd like a beanie. A beanie? I could fit him a combination uh, nutmeg grinder, pants presser, and lightning rod. How oh, that? That'd be good. Or how about a pair of open-toed earmuffs with a belt in the back? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's not so good. <laughs> Maybe you didn't say it loud enough. <laughs> you should have said it so they didn't hear it. <laughs> well, let's go to the department store. Maybe we'll get an idea. Sure. <laughs> How much money have you got? <laughs> well, How much money have you got? We can trade this egg in for something. <laughs> Cool buck in the quota. And you don't know how I've suffered to scrape it together. I just suffer and scrape and suffer. <laughs> well, go get your piggy back and we'll bring home the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the store. Let's look around. Maybe our man over there can help us. Are you the floral walker? Uh, yes, I'm the aisle pedestrian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Four hours, nine to five, six to one, half a dozen of the other. And, uh, what can I do for you? 
You got anything in the second? Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> we're, we're looking for something for Father's Day for this young man. Oh. Isn't he rather small for a father? Don't. Now listen, Four Flusher. I mean, Four Walker. <laughs> we want you to show us some courtesy. Righto. Uh, what size do you wear? Well, <laughs> something. Well, let's see. About a 13 and a half collar with a high instep. Huh? Tell me, do you keep stationary? Oh, no. I move around. No. <laughs> Well, uh, what would you suggest that would appeal to a man about, oh, about 35? Yeah. A blonde about 21, but of course... <laughs> Do you have anything snappy in garters? <laughs> oh, no, but we have something catchy in flight paper. <laughs> Got it, good well, I don't know. Listen, we're not getting anywhere here. Where's the gift department? Oh, gift department. Yeah. Right over here. I'm the one of our best salesmen, Mr. Swing. You don't say. <laughs> Is it storming outside? <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Uh, I am a salesman, and I'm a first-rate salesman, too. Yeah. And Well, no, I'm not exactly a first-rate salesman, either, no. because... I'm more of a cut rate salesman. And, okay. Well, no, what I mean is I'm a very hot salesman. You're a hot salesman. You sell hot dogs, I No, suppose. I do not. I do not sell hot I dogs. And hot dogs are sold in the pet shop. Yeah. And if you want a hot dog, why on earth did you ever come in here in the first place? Oh. Well, I'm beginning to wonder myself. That's a good question, I think. And please don't think of the lingerie. That's lingerie. You don't say. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Go ahead and have yes. a good time at my expense. Oh, oh, yes. You're just going to tease me until you get me into a snip. Oh, what? Yes. You're just trying to torment me because I'm a pretty old man. Oh. I'm not exactly a pretty old man either, no. but I'm not what you'd call homely. No. <laughs> You're not a homely old man. You just have an ugly disposition. That's all. Let's, let's stop wasting time. Do you have any notions? Oh, yes. I have oceans of notions. Uh, in fact, I have scads. And, yes, well, no, yes. I don't exactly have scads either. No. But well, have you got one notion? Just one. Yes, I have one notion. That's not to wait on you, and so I won't. I'd like to say good day, and so I'm going to. Good day. Good oh. <laughs> Poor man. We'll have a tough time to top that. <laughs> Well, listen, maybe I'd better buy this present yes. myself, Charlie. Uh-huh. You know, shopping is an art. It needs a woman's touch. How true, how true, Judy. <laughs> now, here's my dollar Nicoda. Y'all can take it on from here on. You <laughs> hear me? Spend it all, you hear? <laughs> well, now, let's see. Yes. What's this over here? I don't know. Oh, look, Charlie. Isn't that the darlingest knitted snood? A snood for Bergen? Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Not for Mr. Bergen, for me. Yeah, but it's father's. And day. look, it's just a dollar and a quarter. It's my dough. I think I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> now I know what you mean by a woman's touch. <laughs> Mr. Noble. Yes, Charles. Did, did you get over oh, breaking my heart? Did you? Oh, did I get my face yeah. in Sanborn kiss this morning? Yes, yeah, that's right. Well, of course oh. I did, Charles. Oh. Didn't you? Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, Buddy Twist has some cheese and Sanborn all hot and ready to pour. Maybe you could. Uh, maybe you'd like a cup, Ray, huh? Why, you bet I would. Smell of it's been making my mouth water. Well, here you are. Just taste it. Mmm. Wonderful, isn't it? Tis, isn't it? Tis, yes, yes, yes. I don't see why you men should have a monopoly on that flavor. As a matter of fact, we don't. The ladies are wild about it. So drink up, everybody. It's the finest blend we've ever made. And we think you'll say it's the finest coffee you ever tasted. 
This week, get Chase and Sanborn coffee. Be with us again next Sunday when Charlie's guests will be Walter Brennan and Jimmy Sims. Charlie and the gang say it stands to reason, and it certainly does. The coffee roasters who supply more hotels, restaurants, and clubs than anybody else in the country know the kind of coffee men like. And ladies, this is it. Today's Chase and Sanborn. Serve it because he likes it and because you prefer it yourself. Get the Chase and Sanborn coffee your grocer is selling now. This is Buddy Coyce saying goodnight from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Next, we have one that I found by accident about, oh, eight or ten years ago. And it was called Duffy's Tavern, and I thought, I bet I won't like that one. But I, I did. It's, uh, you know, it's your, it's your regular bar crowd, and, and you don't ever see, um, Duffy. You just see Archie, his barkeep. And everybody's in there doing what people do in bars. Um, drinking and talking and having a good time. Duffy's Tavern, where you leave me, Pete. Archie, you mind you speaking? Duffy ain't here. Oh, no, Duffy. Tonight, uh, Rex Harrison, the, uh, famous British cinema star. Yes, uh, one of the Chutney and Putney set. How <laughs> <laughs> huh? come there's so many English actors in America? Well, Duffy, we send a lot of our actors to England. It's sort of a hams across the sea policy. <laughs> What's Rex Harrison like? Well, he's uh, tall and lean and stout, you know, the perfect build for a monocle. <laughs> yeah, typical Englishman, Duffy. He uh, dresses with that casual carelessness. Aristocratic look of studied sloppiness. <laughs> well, Duffy, you must know me. He was in the uh, Anna and the King of Siam. Yeah, that's right. Where he's got the twenty wives. Yeah. Imagine a guy coming home and trying to explain to nineteen of them where he was tonight. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me, Duffy. I have been holding a shot on you, but uh, I'm planning to commit matrimony myself. Well, it's pretty definite. Uh, I've said yes, and the dame ain't said no. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll keep you informed if there's any further communication. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, Doctor, well, well, what's this marriage talk? Uh, I thought you were finished with romance. I was, Eddie, but I guess women is me weakness. They're a habit, you know, like cigarettes. Hmm? You mean it'll take a whole pack of them to get you to spend 15 cents? <laughs> Don't stop at me, Eddie. This time it's the real thing. I see. And when is the marriage going to take place? Well, she ain't set a definite date yet. Uh-huh. Has she told you she'll marry you? Well, not exactly. Has she told you she loves you? Well, no, Eddie. You see, there's one slight hitch. What? I ain't met the dame yet. <laughs> well, maybe after you've been married a couple of years, you get somebody to introduce you. Yeah. Uh, tell me, what, what, what's she like? Oh, she's wonderful, Eddie. Just my type. Well, that narrows it down to blonde, brunette, redheads, and baldies. <laughs> Eddie, what I mean is that uh, usually if a dame has got beauty, she ain't got brains, you know? And if she ain't got brains, she's usually ugly. This dame has got both. 
This one is both dumb and ugly. How'd you meet the, uh, how, rather, how didn't you meet this lady? Uh, through the press. The press, huh? Yeah, yeah. The picture was in the Times. And I wrote him for your section, you know, that, uh, <coughs> I got it right here. Take a gander at that face, Eddie, and that figure. Mm, okay. Let's see. Bobby Bray, fattest style at Danbury County. <laughs> Eddie! <laughs> That's the wrong side of the paper. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> beauty and brains. With Barbara Maxwell, brilliant bachelor student, graduate from Magna Cum Laude, Miss Maxwell was also voted the most beautiful girl in her class. Hmm? And she sure is pretty. Yeah. You get a load of them brains. <laughs> <laughs> and she's coming down here tonight, Eddie. I don't know. How do I know we uh, corresponded? Who wrote the letter first? <laughs> I wrote the letters myself. Told the world about my education, too. You mean how you made a quick exit from Exeter and darted through Dartmouth? <laughs> no, buddy, I didn't want to lay it on too thick. I just told her how I uh, come out of that Harvard. Uh, didn't you take a chance writing a letter? Not at all. I was careful to put a lot of grammar in it. Uh, got a copy of the letter right here. Take a look. Yeah, let's see. Dear Miss Maxwell. The minute I seen your picture, I felt love hanging in me heart. You see? The thing is full of participles. Yeah, buddy, all me life I've wanted to marry a dame with brains, you oh, know? Oh, so You think if I ask Rick Harrison in a nice way, he'd take me out tonight? Miss Duffy, I think he'd just jump at the chance. After all, who else could he go out with that would be as glamorous and chic and beautiful? Archie, you're killing my head. And it looks better that way. <laughs> now, if you want to see a picture of a really beautiful girl, Miss Duffy, look at this one here. Get a load of that figure. Figure? In that graduation cap and that long black gown, how can you tell? I held the picture up to the light. <laughs> look at that face, huh? She looks like she was chiseled out of grease. <laughs> uh, oh, what? Oh, hello, Finnegan. Finnegan, uh, guess what? Let me see. Somebody caught a show off Madagascar weighing 443 pounds. What? Right? What kind of nonsense talk is this? Well, I just said guess what, so I just took a chance. <laughs> oh, no, what I, what I meant by guess what, Finnegan, was that I'm thinking of getting married. To a 443 pound thing? <laughs> no. Well, I'm doing that guess or not. <laughs> Well, it happens that I'm getting married to a 110-pound intellectual. Oh, I wasn't too far off. <laughs> uh, what's she like, Todd? You'll see. She'll be down here any minute in the flesh. In the flesh? Yes. Oh. The informal type, I think. <laughs> For a guy like you to have babies and get married. Finnegan, one gets married first. Everyone has the babies. Well, whatever the accepted procedure is. <laughs> oh, good luck to you anyway, Todd. Thanks. Yeah, Miss Dodd, ain't you making a mistake having your girl down here at the same time as Rex Harrison? 
ain't worried, Eddie. What's he got that I ain't got? Oh, look. Go on. Stop it. Go on. In Dodson? Go on. Sam? Yeah. Well, what has he got that would appeal to a name? <laughs> Money? That's right. I never thought of that. <laughs> Well, look, I tell you, if you can dig up a few of their mother things, she won't mind you having no money. That's an idea. You know, this is the time of year when a young man's fancy turns to borrowing his father's car. But this is the time for junior proms and school parties. I should know I was young once myself. And I know, too, that every young man is very particular about the way he looks. That's why you young men should get wise to Vitalis. For Vitalis is one hair grooming preparation that makes your hair look neat. Makes it stay in place, but without giving you that slick, greasy, gigolo look. Say, what Vitalis got that makes it so different? It's what Vitalis hasn't got that makes it so different. Vitalis does not contain one single drop of mineral oil. Only pure vegetable oils that prevent dryness and give your hair a neat, masculine look. Give yourself the famous Vitalis 60-second workout. See how it will loosen your tight, dry scalp and make it tingle. See, too, how it chases away loose dampness and helps check excessive falling hair. With the Vitalis workout, you'll feel good, you'll look good. And all in just 60 seconds. So to look your best tomorrow, get a bottle of Vitalis tonight. <laughs> Yeah. I'm expecting my future bride here any minute, and as I told you, she's one of them five-beater cappers, you know. I was wondering, what uh, what can I do to make this tavern here seem more intellectual? Leave. <laughs> I wish you'd cut out the risibility. No, uh, what I mean is, uh... She's a cultured dame. Uh, maybe we ought to scatter a few books around the joint. We ain't got no books. No, huh? Well, then uh, just turn a few of them menus upside down and we'll fill the library track. <laughs> Let's see, what else? Eddie. Yeah? Eddie, you think that moose head is shaggy enough to pass for a bust of Einstein? Now, <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Look who just come in. Right quiet, man. Yeah, yeah. Quick, get out some uh, off and off. What? Off and off. You do have to bark. <laughs> <laughs> Who's barking at you? It's an English delicacy. Off and off? Yeah, mean fish and chips. <laughs> we want to treat the guy like civilized, don't we? Uh, good evening, Mr. Harrison. Well, Rick, I'm glad you were able to pop in, old tip. <laughs> this is your first visit to the tavern, ain't it? Uh, what do you mean, people come down here twice? <laughs> Not if they make cracks like that. <laughs> but since you're a visitor from our colony, don't forget it. <laughs> Incidentally, I just ordered some uh, tiffin for you. Tiffin? Yeah, fish and chips. Or have you used English, call it off and off. Listen, <laughs> coming up. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, hey, uh, Rex, uh, how does it look to you? Uh, let's see. Two sardines on a cracked plate. Yeah, fish and chips. 
stick your can on him. Uh, <laughs> would you like to drown him in a cup of tea? Do you happen to have some brood? Oh, mercy, yes, the tea has been brooding all day. <laughs> in fact, I think I'll have a cup with you. Good. Uh, maybe it's a funny thing, you know. Here you and me is having tea together, and it was just a while back that our ancestors fought a war over the stuff. <laughs> but I always say bygones will be bygones. <laughs> well, down the hatch. Hmm. Uh, I'll tell this tea. What about it? What's it trying to do, to start another war? <laughs> yeah, he's even used the same tea. <laughs> Eddie, it swims pork like that to think ships. <laughs> uh, how did you uh, happen to come down here to Duffy's Tavern, Rex? Well, after all, it's a world-famous place. Well, thank you. Yes, but even in London, people warn me against eating here. Mr. <laughs> Harrison, a lot of pride has gone into making Duffy's Tavern what it is. But with the lack of customers, how do you manage to stay in business? We're too proud to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> But enough talk about the tavern. Uh, uh, let's talk about you, Rex. Uh, tell me, uh, do you, uh... <laughs> Stuffy, what this... That's disappointing. You can think I'm looking than I thought. Then why are you disappointed? He's married. Rex, this is Miss Duffy. You'll have to excuse her. She slept with so many wedding cakes under her pillow that she had to comb her hair with a fork. <laughs> Mr. Harrison, I love the way you Englishmen dress. Thank you. If you want to stay jealous... Why? Would you mind if I rub my cheek against your tweed coat? <laughs> Good ones? 
Well, let's see. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, John Kieran said the population of the Earth was two billion. Yes, but can we be sure that Kieran is correct? Archie, John Kieran is an authority on population. Eight to five, you don't even know that Mrs. Burke might be had a baby last week. <laughs> and I blew it. <laughs> no, Rex, with this name of mine, I, uh, I can't take no chances on mistakes. Uh, now, uh, what else do you know that you're real sure of? Well, uh, let me see. About 100,000 years ago, during the uh, Paleolithic era, I think glaciers covered the entire Earth. Hey, that's a pit. <laughs> a murderer with that one. <laughs> I think I'll make a note of it, sir. By the way, how do you spell that word? Well, Paleolithic? No, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that other one I choose to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> Say, Arch, do you think it's a... Oh, who's the character? <laughs> uh, Archie, you ought to keep your bottles more tightly corked. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's funny. What's funny about it? The dialect. He's from England. with lovely women everywhere, too. For Arpana helps your teeth as well as your smile to brightness and loveliness. That's because Arpana really gets teeth clean, but safely, without gritty abrasive, and followed by a gentle gum massage aids the health of your gum. So ask your dentist about this home care of teeth and gums, and let Arpana help you to brighter teeth, a more sparkling smile. Get Arpana and get started toward your own Arpana Smile of Beauty. Well, 
to you from inside USA. And now back to Duffy's Tavern. Hey, Eddie. I was just thinking. That's dangerous. <laughs> Cut it out. No, but me future bride's going to be here any minute. Uh, what kind of flowers do you think I ought to buy? How about a nose cake? This is no time for pig Latin. <laughs> I uh, want to get her some flowers so she'll realize I got culture as well as intelligence. Well, them flowers might be all right for the culture, but what you going to do about intelligence? Show that gold star you got for basket weaving? <laughs> Only as a last resort. <laughs> uh, incidentally, look at that Harrison over there. What? Over there in the corner, still talking to Finnegan. Can't figure it out. Why would a guy like Harrison talk to Finnegan? Well, he's here for a rest. Maybe he's just tired of talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> sure is weird, ain't it? Hey, wait a minute. Hey, this must be the dame now. Who? Barbara Maxwell. Look at her. <whistles> Don't be the stuff, boy. <laughs> Boy, what a magnum from Wilder to me. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm looking for a gentleman named Archimedes. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, do you mean Archimedes, uh, T-H-D, L-L-D, and M-A, the gentleman what wrote you that letter? Yes. I am that him. <laughs> uh, tell me, Miss uh, Maxwell, uh, Hick, Hike, Hope, Six, Caesar, Romero, in hot. <laughs> What's that? Don't tell me you don't talk Latin. Is that Latin? Of course. No wonder it's a dead language. <laughs> Perhaps you would prefer to converse in uh, Sanskrit? <laughs> Archie, why don't we just talk English? If you insist, but for us intellectuals, it seems like such a live language. Don't worry, we'll kill it. <laughs> Archie, your letter said you were a Harvard man. When did you graduate? Nineteen hundred and, uh, eight? Nineteen hundred and eight? But you couldn't have been over five years old. See what a genius I was? <laughs> in fact, I was so little that instead of diapers, me old pop used to wrap me up in Harvard pants. <laughs> By the way, uh, speaking of uh, paleontology... What? Paleontology. Don't tell me you never heard of paleontology. No, what is it? Kid, you better go back to Fasten. Have you ever heard of them uh, thermodynamics and uh, them Arkham Cedric's breakfast? No. You didn't. I'm afraid my family wouldn't approve of you. But maybe I can wise you up before you meet them. You see, about a hundred thousand years ago, uh, before the days of Figaro, <laughs> The whole earth used to be covered up with uh, icy glaciers made out of them thermolithics. <laughs> you remember that now when you meet me, old man. You mean your whole family are intellectuals? Even more than me. Well, in that case, I'd like to meet them. Well, uh, right at the moment, Dad is very busy, you know, how things are at Oak Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> your father works at Oak Ridge? Oh, my, yes, yes. Why did you do that? Man. He's assembling the atom. <laughs> oh. Well, then maybe I can meet your mother. Uh, she's at Oak Ridge, too. She's uh, helping me father. You know how slippery them atoms is. 
that she holds them while he flips them. I have for you um, Archie Andrews and it's called Drugstore Mix-Up and you may remember the old Archie Andrews uh, comic books that they had back then well you know he was on the radio too and and I guess when he started in the 50s and 60s he may still had comic books when the TV came out too but um, I 
didn't learn to appreciate them until um, the 70s when I used to, or the late 60s, about 69 when I watched them on TV. And um, quite frankly, when I started listening to them on the radio, I liked them much better and made better sense to me because I could uh, tell more about what was going on. So, I'll be back with you in a few. Hello? Hello, Jughead. This is Archie. Come over right away. It's a matter of life or death. Oh, relax, Archie. Relax. Yes, and you relax too, folks, if you can, because here he is again, right out of the pages of Archie Comics Magazine with all his gang, Archie Andrews! Well, it's Friday evening as we look in on the Andrews' home in Riverdale. We find Archie has just come home with Jughead and is a little unhappy about something. I tell you, Jug, I gotta figure out a way to get that bottle of bubble bath soap. You don't look dirty to me. It's not for me, it's for Veronica. She's having a coming out party tonight, and I gotta buy her a present. What's she coming out of? Jug, I don't know how you can be that stupid and live. It's easy. Jug, Veronica is making her debut in Riverdale Society tonight, and I wanna buy that bubble bath soap we saw in the drugstore as a gift. Now, is that plain enough? Go ahead and buy it. I'm not stopping you. But I don't have the money, Jug. Reggie Mantle will probably bring some fancy gift. And how will I look? How? Embarrassed. I might just as well stay home. Oh. Mm. Hello, Jughead. Hello, Mr. Andrews. Hi, Dad. Oh, Dad, what I was wondering... What a day. What a day. Certainly good to be home. Dad, would you be kind Archie, enough to let me... do you know me... where my slippers are? In the hall closet, I think. Dad, I was uh, wondering... It's going to be good to sit down and have a little peace and quiet. Dad, I wonder if you'd well, let me... Well, what is it? Dad, could you let me have some money? No. Now, where's your mother? But, Dad, I just got to have $2.98. Archie, I said no. Where is your mother? But, Dad, I just got to have it because Archie, I want to buy... Archie, for pity's sake, I said... All right, here is three dollars. Gee whiz, Dad, thanks a lot. Don't mention it. Keep the change. Oh, boy, Jug, I got it, I got it. Well, let me at that phone. Operator, Riverdale 411, please. Yes. Oh, boy, Jug, won't Veronica be happy when she sees that bubble bath? She likes all that fancy stuff. Uh, hello, Mr. Pringle? This is Archie Andrews. You know that bottle of liquid bubble bath soap you have on display? Yes, the pink stuff in the fancy bottles with the sign, float on air with the scintillating essence of rare odors and be carried to dreamy wonderland in your bath, reduced to two ninety-eight. Yes. Well, send a bottle of that right over, would you? Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Archie, wouldn't it have been cheaper to buy Veronica a piece of soap? Don't be silly, Judge. She'll love this. I guess I'll show that Reggie Mantle that he's not the only one who can buy fancy gifts. Yeah. She was Jug. Do you think Reggie will buy her something fancier than that? Probably. Oh, fine. Hello, Archie. Hello, Reggie. 
Jughead. Hello, Mrs. Andrews. Hi, Mom. Well, what are you doing, dear? Nothing. Archie, what are you so glum about? Me? <laughs> I'm not glum. Archie, do you feel all right? No, Mom, let's not go through that. Archie, feel... stick out your tongue. But, Mom, I feel... Archie, stick out your tongue. No, I'm all right. Yeah. Well, you didn't have to stick it that far out. Uh-huh. Archie, just as I thought, you're run down. But, Mom, I feel fine. All the same, you go right upstairs and bring down the tonic. The tonic? Oh, gosh, Mom, not that. That tonic is the best thing in the world for you. Yes, I know, but... But, but, but what? It smells. Archie. Well, it does, Mom, just like rotten eggs. Archie, Mr. Pringle made that tonic from a special prescription, and it always does a world of good for you. But, Mom, I... Jughead, doesn't your mother make you take tonic when you're run down? Yes, ma'am. Well, doesn't it do you a world of good? No, ma'am. It doesn't? Why not? I give it to my little sister when Mom's not looking. Jughead, you don't. Don't I? All right, Jughead, maybe you do. But, Archie, you still march right upstairs and bring that tonic down. Oh, gee whiz, what chances a fella got? Jug, you wait there. Okay. And, Jughead, would you take your feet off the couch, please? I'm sorry. Oh, now, who can that be? Hello? Oh, Mrs. Lodge. How are you? <laughs> oh, fine, thanks. Have I forgot... Forgotten what? The party... What part? Oh, the party. <laughs> Why, no, Mrs. Lodge. Of course I haven't forgotten the party. Why, I couldn't forget your party tonight. Of course not. Why, just today I remarked to Fred how I was looking forward to your party. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll be there. Goodbye. <sighs> oh, dear, I'd forgotten all about that party. But, Archie, I know there's practically a full bottle in the medicine cabinet. Did you look there? Oh, yes, Mom. Well, did you look in the storage closet? Gee whiz, Mom. Don't you think I know how to look for something? Not for tonic, you don't. Are you sure it's upstairs? Positive that it's not there, Mom. And besides, I feel much better now. Mom, let's forget the whole thing. Oh, no, you don't. I'll order some more right now. Operator, give me Riverdale 411, please. But, Mom, why go to all that trouble just for a Archie, little time? Archie, you need that tonic. Yeah, like a headache. Hello? Uh, Mr. Pringle, this is Mrs. Andrews. Uh-huh. You know that tonic you made up last spring for Archie? Uh-huh. Well, would you make up another bottle and send it over right away? All right, Mr. Pringle. Thanks a lot. Bye. Now, Archie, I'll... Oh, dear, now what? Pringle's drugstore. Uh, already? Got a package here for Betty Cooper. Oh, well, they live next door. I know, but they're not home, and I left a note saying all packages should be left here. Oh, all right. Uh, just put it right there on the hall table where I won't forget it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, Archie, you better start dressing, dear. Dressing? Yes, dear, for the party. But can I go the way I am? Archie, you can't go to a party in a polo shirt and saddle shoes. <laughs> You left out my pants, Mom. I'm wearing pants, you know. Yes, I know, dear. But you better go put on your tropical worsted. Oh, okay. Oh, wait there, Jug. I'll be right down. And wash first. Okay, I will. All right, all right, all right. Now, what's all the shouting about? Can't we ever have any quiet around here? Well, Fred, when did you get home, dear? Oh, about five minutes ago, Mary, and I'm well, certainly as tired Well, for pity's sake, go and I... get dressed. Dressed? Dressed? 
What for? The lodges are having their party tonight. Oh, good grief. I'm in no mood for parties tonight, Mary. I want to just sit here and read my paper. Fred, Mrs. Lodge called specially to remind us about it. But I... 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 Oh, all right. I suppose we have to go. We certainly do. Uh, Jughead, be careful of that lamp. I'll be upstairs if you want me, Fred. All right, Mary. You'll be upstairs. Parties. Parties. Why don't people leave people alone? Nobody enjoys giving a party. Nobody enjoys going to a party. I don't know why. And uh, what are you grinning at? I'm not invited to the party. Well, you're lucky. See, do I need a shave? I suppose so. No. I'm all out of hairdressing. You better order some. Operator, 411, please. No, oh, hello, Pringle. Fred Andrews. What? Tired. How are you? Good. Listen, Pringle, send me a bottle of that hairdressing, will you? And and don't send me that greasy stuff you sent last time. All right, right away. Mm-hmm. Bye. Fred, aren't you dressed yet? Dressed? Why, Mary, it's only five seconds. Well, stop wasting me... time and get started. All right, all right, Mary. I don't know what this world is coming to when a man can't even go home. Oh, that must be the tonic for Archie. Package from Pringle's drugstore. Yes, I've been waiting for it. Uh, tell Mr. Pringle to put it on the bill, please. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, Jughead, I wish you wouldn't sit on the arm of that chair. I'm sorry. Archie! Yes, ma'am? Come on down here. Gee whiz, Mom, how can I get dressed if you keep calling me? Archie, your tonic just arrived. I want you to take it, dear. The tonic? Now? Yes, now. Uh, Jughead, would you get a spoon out of the kitchen, please? Yes, Mrs. Ann. But, Mom, this is no time to take tonic. And why not? Well, because, well, that is, well, there's a time and place for everything, and, well, this just isn't the time and place. It certainly is. But, Mom, you have no idea how much better I feel. I thought you didn't feel sick in the first place. I didn't, but I'm much better now. Here's the spoon, Mr. Andrews. Benedict Arnold. Me? What did I do? Traitor. Now, Archie, that's quite enough. Now, just this one spoonful won't kill you. You never can tell. Those are awful big spoons. Archie, for pity's sake, I don't have time to argue now. Please take this, Tony. She was okay. She uh, was. She was, Ma. Uh, do I? She was. But I. Gee whiz. If I only... Gee whiz. Yes, Archie. Gee whiz. Now take it. In cold blood? Just take it? Just like that? Well, close your eyes if it'll help. It'll help more if you close your mouth, too. Jughead. I'm sorry. Gee whiz. Archie, don't say that again. Well, gee... Gosh. Archie, I'm getting impatient. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... Let me take it myself. Very well. Here. Okay, Mom. I might as well get it over and done with. Here. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Phew. <gasps> Gee, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Well, I told you so. Do you like this bow tie with this suit? Oh, yes, dear. Now come upstairs, Archie, and put a clean shirt on. Yes, dear. Fine thing when a man can't even ask his own wife if she likes his tie without her giving him an... Well, what are you grinning at? I was just thinking of my father's ties. 
What about your father's ties? Does he tie them differently than I do? Yes. He just snaps his on. Oh, fine, fine. Now, what in the world is keeping that delivery boy? Why, that druggist is the slowest... Oh, what's this on the hall table? Hmm. Label says Pringles Drugstore. When did that get here? Oh, that will... Well, why that... doesn't anybody tell me these things? Here I've been waiting and waiting for my hairdressing, and it's been here all the while. But, Mr. Andrews... Gee whiz. Say, Jughead, do you like this tie with this suit? No. Me too. But I can't decide whether I don't like the suit with the tie or the tie with the suit. Now, who can that be at a time like this? Pringle Drugstore. Oh, boy, my bubble bath. Why? <laughs> no, not for me. For a friend of mine. I'll take it. Here you are. Thank you. She was. I almost forgot about this. Well, open it and let's see it. Okay, okay, don't rush me. She was. Now, who can that be? Hello, Archie. How are you all? <laughs> Veronica. Gosh, hiya, Veronica. Come on in, Veronica. Jug, it's Veronica. Yes, I could tell. Hi, Veronica. Hello, Jug. Archie, I just brought by to remind you about my party tonight. I'm uh, very anxious for you to be there, Archie. <laughs> In fact, I might say I'm looking forward to dancing with you. <laughs> you will be there, won't you, Archie? Hmm. <laughs> Archie? Uh-huh. Oh, sure, sure, Veronica. I'll be there. I haven't forgotten at all. In fact, I, uh, uh, bought you a little remembrance for the occasion. Oh, did you, Archie? Is that it, that package? Well, uh, yes, but uh, I was going to give it to you later. Oh, what is it, Archie? Tell me, Archie, please. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I wanted it to be a surprise, Veronica, but since you put it that way, I suppose you might as well know now. Oh, yes, I can't stand the suspense. Well, it's, uh, well... That is, well, <laughs> it's bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> Jug, be quiet. Here, Veronica. Oh, Archie, for me, how sweet. Thank you. She went. I'll go home and use it right now. Thanks ever so much, Archie. Bye, Jack. So long. Gee, she kissed me. Yeah, and snap out of it. She was what a girl. Oh, brother. And did you hear what she said, Jug? Did you hear? What? She's gonna take a bath. <laughs> Archie. People do that all the time. Well, yeah, Jug, but not with my bubble bath. Gee, I can hardly wait to see how Veronica smells tonight. Oh, fine. She was what a girl. What a girl. She's so glamorous. She makes my head buzz. Archie, that's the front door. Huh? Oh, yeah, I'll get it. Hello, Archie. Oh, hi, Betty. Uh, Archie, I wondered... Oh, hiya, Jug. Hi, Betty. Archie, uh, was a package left here for me? Gee, what a girl. 
What did you say, Archie? Hmm? Oh, n- nothing, Betty. <laughs> Not a thing. Oh, I thought you said... Oh, well, doesn't matter. Say, Archie, was a package left here for... Archie, is that lipstick on your face? Well, lipstick? Yes. <laughs> on my face? Yes, on your face. <laughs> right now? Yes, Archie, right now. Uh, uh, are you sure? Archie Andrews, I thought I saw Veronica leave here. It was Veronica, wasn't it? Uh, Veronica? Veronica Lodge? Archie, I'm not going through all that again. Oh, I might have known you'd let that old Veronica kiss you. Well, I don't care who kisses you, Mr. Andrews. Oh, but Betty, gee whiz, I mean, wait, I, I mean, what was in that package you were expecting? Oh, glue, if it makes any difference. Goodbye. Gee whiz, Judd, now what did I do, huh? I don't know. Did Veronica really leave lipstick on my face? Yeah. Here? Yeah. She was. <sighs> yes, Fred, your hair looks fine. Now get your hat or we'll be late. Archie, you ready to leave? Yes, Mom. Uh, Archie, what's the matter with you? Me, Mom? Not a thing. Archie, maybe you should have some more of that tonic. <clears throat> now, Mom, let's not go through that again. Gee whiz, you don't want to be late for the party, do you? Archie, remember your manners. Yes, Mom. And please don't spend all evening with Veronica. Uh, yes, ma'am. And say the food is good. She whiz, Mom. I'm not a kid. I know it, but when we had dinner at the Hendersons, you didn't have to say the chicken died of old age. Well, I... Your mother is right, son. And Fred, you mind your manners, too. Yes, I certainly will do... Manners? What's wrong with my manners? I mean, after all, dear... Yes, Fred, I know. Now ring the bell, dear. I know, but uh, Mary, you think I was was a child and really bad in front of you. Ah, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. Andrews and Master Andrews. Good evening. Hello, Edwards. Archie? (laughs) Hi, Eddie. What's cooking? Archie. Huh? May I take your hat, Mr. Andrews? Oh, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Andrews and Archie. (laughs) How are you, Monica? (laughs) My, you're looking lovely tonight, dear. May I take your hat? Mr. Andrews. Hello, Veronica. Hello, Archie. My, what a lovely tie. Do you like it? May I take your hat, sir? Oh, yes, lovely. Archie, do you have a cold? Uh, No, Veronica. It's just that I smell rotten eggs. Why? Archie, for pity's sake. Well, I do, Mom. It smells just like that. Gee whiz, Veronica, you don't smell like I thought you would. Archie, really? I mean, after all, well, I'd better go see how my other guests are doing. But, Veronica, wait, you don't understand. Veronica, I can explain. Archie, for pity's sake. But, Veronica, you you just don't understand. I understand perfectly. May I please take your hat, sir? Fred, sakes alive, give Edwards your hat. Mary, don't you think I would if I could? Honest, Veronica, what I meant is... <laughs> Excuse me. My goodness, Fred, why are you tugging at your hat? Because it is stuck to the top of my head, that's why. Uh, oh, but Fred... <laughs> Archie, for pity's sake, stop hiccuping. Fred, how could your hat possibly be stuck to... Fred, where are you going? Home, that's where I can't go to a party with my hat glued to my head. You see, Veronica, what I... Archie, please. Fred, you can't leave. Mary, I certainly can. And besides, if you ask me, Veronica does smell of rotten eggs. Oh, God. Fred! Wait, I'll go with you. Mrs. 
Auntie? Gee whiz, there's nothing wrong with me. Veronica, it's only the hiccups, you know. People get hiccups practically every, every day. Yes, I know. But this is the first time I ever saw anyone hiccup and blow bubbles at the same time. Now, Archie, I'll have the doctor in just a minute, dear. You just sit there and try not to hiccup. I am, Mom, but what do you think Veronica thought of me? Never mind that. Uh, hello, Dr. Higgins. Uh, this is Mrs. Andrews. Uh, yes, uh, Doctor, the strangest thing, Archie's hiccuping. I, I know, but he's blowing bubbles at the same time. No, I feel fine, Doctor. Yeah, but Archie's hiccuping soap bubbles. Y yes, really. What? You will? All right, fine. Goodbye. Oh. What did he say, Mom? The doctor's calling Mr. Pringle to make up a special prescription for you, and you're to go right down there and get it, dear. Okay, Mom, I better hurry. This is killing me. Never in all my born days. Is that true? Oh, yes, dear. We just got home. For pity's sake, are you still wearing that hat? Harry, not by choice, I assure you. I've been looking in the mirror trying to cut it off with a scissors. But I keep snipping my ear. Fred, I know exactly what the trouble is. Yes? That hat is glued to your head. Mary, that's a brilliant deduction. <laughs> Brilliant! Gee whiz, Archie, what are you doing downtown? I thought you were at the party. Boy, am I glad I ran into you, Jucky. Gee whiz, Archie, you're blowing bubbles. I know it, Chug, I know it. Mr. Pringle is making something to stop this right away. Stop it? Gee whiz, I know a lot of people who wish they could do that. Chug, don't argue and... I bet a circus would pay you a lot of money. Chug, for gosh sake, go on into the drugstore and get that medicine. Why me? Because I can't go in there blowing bubbles. Well, okay. I'll wait here and for gosh sake, hurry! Hi, Tommy. Is Mr. Pringle in? Hi, Chug. Yeah, Mr. Pringle's in the back room making up a special prescription for those Andrews. Gee, that's what I came in for. Oh, swell. You saved me a trip out there. They've been calling all night. Yeah. Should be ready in a minute. I'll, I'll go look. Okay. Hey, you mind if I look through this movie magazine? No, go right ahead. Thanks. Hmm. 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 Here I jug all set. Thanks. Gee, Tommy. You know that Betty Grable has some swimming pool. Yeah. You better hurry with this prescription. Mr. Pringle says they need it right away, and it's it's just the thing. Okay. Uh, should I put it on the Andrews bill? Yeah, and uh, put this movie magazine on their bill, too. Bye. Okay, bye. She <laughs> was Archie. What's all the crowd? Never mind. Did you get the stuff? Yeah. He said it's just what you need. Okay, then let's get out of here. But I want to see what the crowd is looking at. Jughead, the crowd is watching me. Gee whiz, haven't they ever seen anyone blow bubbles before? Yes, Jug, but not without a bubble pipe. Now, come on. <laughs> oh, no. That, that water is hot. Ooh. I know it's hot, dear, but it's the only way to get that hat off. All right, but you, you don't have to boil it off. Oh, Mary, for God's sake. <laughs> well, I think the glue's all dissolved now, dear. Ah, so's my head. Well, 
Uh, try to pull the hat again. All right. Oh, you did it, Fred. Oh. It's off. Ah, yes. Finally. Mary, did it take all my hair with it? Well, let's see. Oh, no, dear. But your hair's a little messy. Well, I'm not worried about that. At least I don't have to wear that hat the rest of my life. Well, I still don't understand how it happened. Yes, Mary, there are a lot of things that happen around here tonight that I'll never understand. See, Jug, it worked already. I'm all better. Gee, I guess so. Archie, is that you? Oh, yes, Dad. <gasps> Gee, what happened to your hair? Well, my hat got stuck at... Never mind that now. Just what happened to you at the party? Gee, I don't know, Dad. I started hiccuping, and every time I hicked, I blew bubbles. Bubbles? Bubbles? Oh, good grief. Now, look. There are just a few things around here that need explaining. The glue in my hair, the the, the, the bubbles, Veronica smelling like rotten eggs, and, and, well, there's only one way we'll ever get to the bottom of this. Now, everyone say exactly what they ordered from Pringle's Drugstore. Archie? Well, I ordered some bubble bath for Veronica. And I ordered the health tonic for Archie. And I ordered the hairdressing for myself. Well, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> We are? Of course. It's as plain as can be. When your tonic came, I thought that, uh, that, uh, it, uh... No, that's not right. Oh, when my hairdressing came, Mary, you thought, naturally, that it was, uh, the hair... Uh, that doesn't seem to be right either. Yeah. When the glue came, the glue. Say, who ordered that Glue? Glue? Oh, gee, Betty did, and had it delivered here. Oh, and I forgot to tell her it was here. Aha, now we're getting someplace. Now, just who handed me that glue? You took it yourself, Mr. Andrews. Jug, keep out of this. Come on now, confess. Who had... Uh, myself. Uh, you, you mean I... Uh, oh, I... Uh, <laughs> the bottle on the hall table. <laughs> Was that glue? Yes, dear. Evidently, you have no one to blame but yourself. Mm. Oh, yes, but who gave me the bubble bath? I did. But you didn't tell me you'd ordered it. I thought it was the tonic, and dear. And how did Veronica get the tonic? Well, she got here before I had a chance to open the package, and I gave it to her thinking it was bubble bath. Well, then it's your own fault. Well, then, evidently, nobody is to blame. Of course not. Gee whiz. Well, at any rate, we have that little mystery straightened out. I still don't know how it ever happened. That is beside the point, Mary. The main thing is to see that it does not happen again. Now, I hope we've all learned our lesson. I hope we've learned that everyone should let everyone else know what everyone else has ordered whenever everyone has... Uh, well, you get the point. Uh, yes, Dad. Oh, I'll get it. Just a minute. I'll get it. We've had enough trouble for one night. Pringles Drugstore, here's that medicine. Medicine, but I didn't know... Oh, good, we've been medicine. waiting for that medicine. Medicine? Medicine? Then... What was it I just took? And what happened to my order? Your order? Fred, what did you order? Well, I called Pringle to send me some shampoo to get this glue out of my hair, and he said... Shampoo! Shampoo! Archie, now, Mary, for gosh sakes, that boy is blowing bubbles again.
chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Jampel and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics magazine. Archie is played by Bob Hastings, Jughead by Harlan Stone. Others in the cast include Alice Yerman, Ian Martin, Gloria Mann, and Rosemary Rice. Felix McGuire at the organ. Production was under the direction of Charles Urquhart. And now back to the Andrews. More toast, Archie? Yes, please, Mom. Gee, that was quite a mix-up last night, wasn't it? Yes, it was, dear. And you know, after I got into bed, one thing kept puzzling me. Uh, what was that, Mom? Whatever became of that first bottle of tonic. I'm sure we had some in the house. Oh, that. Well, 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 well. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. Oh, what are you so <laughs> gay about this morning, Fred? Oh, I don't know. I always feel good after I wash and shave. That aftershave lotion doesn't, I think, perks a man up. <laughs> yes, dear. Well, sit down and have you... Fred. Yes, dear? You smell like rotten eggs. Rotten eggs? Oh, now, don't be silly, dear. How could I possibly smell of... <laughs> I do, don't I? Archie, come back here. next week for more of the merry adventures of Archie Andrews. Friends, if you'd like to see our show, just write to Archie Andrews, NBC, Radio City 20, New York City. That's Archie Andrews, NBC, Radio City 20, New York City. Or if you live nearby and are in the neighborhood some Saturday morning, you may obtain tickets right at the studio. Just ask to see Archie Andrews. And now this is Bob Sherry wishing you a very pleasant weekend. So long! This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The next I have for you is um, the Alan Young show. And you may remember him as the one who played Wilbur on Mr. Ed, the talking horse. And he's just as silly in this one as he was in that one. Um, he's, uh, he's trying to sell rabbits, and the more of them he sells, the more of them multiplies, and he's just, he's just all upset. But the poor thing in Mr. Ed, <laughs> Mr. Ed was always the one that made him look silly, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he put up with a lot for that horse, that's for sure. And, um, so, but anyway, uh, this, this one is called Selling Rabbits. That's what it was. I'm sorry. I had to look back at my notes. It's called Selling Rabbits. And oh, I think I already said that. Folks, forgive me. Um, but, yeah, I know I did, because I said every time they, he thought he had them sold, they multiplied. But, um, I'll see you in a few. The Alan Young Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Delmar, welcoming you to the Alan Young Show, featuring our singing star, Diane Courtney, the music of Peter Van Steeden, and starring Alan Young. 
Well, it's Tuesday night again. Time for another visit with Alan Young. I look forward to these calls at Alan's house because he's such a modest man. He needs so little. He wants so little. Yeah, come on, let's go in. Hello, Kenny. Three million dollars. Seven million dollars. Fourteen million dollars. <laughs> What's all this talk about money? Kenny, I'm going to be rolling in wealth. I'm going to build a house with 60 rooms and no bath. What's the idea? I'm going to be filthy rich. <laughs> well, I'll be so rich I'll walk past the cigarette butt without giving it a second glance. <laughs> well, I'm going to have four butlers. The first butler will bring me the sugar. Second will bring me butter. Third will bring me steak. What about the fourth butler? He'll hit me over the head every time I wake up. <laughs> Oh, yes, Alan, indeed. It's good to be rich. Yeah, yeah, you can spend February in the South, March in the East, April in the North. I'd prefer May in the West. <laughs> well, Alan, this million dollars you're talking about, how are you going to make it? I just bought two rabbits. I'm going to raise rabbits. Two rabbits? Mm. Well, look, Alan, in order to make a million dollars, you'll need a million rabbits. I'm willing to wait a couple of days. <laughs> Well, just think of the possibility. Why, if everybody in the country carried a rabbit's foot, do you realize what would happen? Sure, the rabbits would walk around on their hands. <laughs> well, Kenny, I'm going to specialize in fur coats, you see. Of course, to do this right, I'll have to change my name. It'll look great in lights. America's largest furrier, I.J. Rabbit. <laughs> well, uh, where did you get the idea, anyway? Right out of this magazine. Look at this ad here. Raise rabbits in your spare time. Read what a wealthy manufacturer, Jay Boulderhead of Little Rock, Arkansas, says. Mm. For the past ten years, I averaged 75000 a year. I sent away for a couple of rabbits. Now they average 75000 a year. <laughs> See, Kenny, it's a wonderful business. Oh, excuse me. Hello? This is Griffin to the post office calling. We got two rabbits here for Alan Young. It's $10 COD. Gee, my rabbits came in. Mr. Gribbins, how do they look? They're a little banged up. <laughs> how did that happen? We had trouble getting them through the canceling machine. <laughs> hey, uh, how about taking them out of here? I'm having trouble feeding them. Well, just give them some diced carrots. I did, and one of the rabbits almost blew up. Well, how did that happen? The dice were loaded. No. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. I'll have to borrow $10 for the COD. I'll need about $15 to build a house for them. Gee, making a million dollars is going to cost me money. <laughs> Where am I going to get the... Oh. Oh. Oh, Kenny. Yeah? Would you like to sink some money in my business? Well, I'll invest 10 cents. <laughs> Boy, are you a sinker. <laughs> All right, then I'll, I'll go to the business. I should associate with men of my own financial standing. <laughs> men of vision, spark, vitality. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Grimes. I'm on my way to the bank. I'm sorry I can't stick around and talk to you. I just found an onion in my pantry. Hmm? Thought I'd come over and borrow a couple of pounds of steak to put under it. <laughs> I'm on my way to the bank. You see, I've got a... Yeah. My wife never believed in banks. Uh, no. She used to hide all her money from me. Kept it in a corset. Well, how did you discover it? 
So I pulled a few strings. Well, I'm on my way to the bank. My, uh, my wife was a well-dressed woman. Yeah. yeah. But she hated short dresses. Had a battleship tattooed on her knee. Oh, that's all. Yeah. People kept coming up to her and saying, Lady, your ship is showing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm on my way to the bank. I, uh, I took my wife to the movies last night. Mm-hmm. Awful romantic. I nudged a little, kissed a little. Then I remembered we didn't have two seats together. <laughs> I'm on my way. Girl, uh, girl sitting next to me. Girl sitting next to me was a wave. Yeah. First time I ever got a whack from a wave. <laughs> Look, I really have to be hurting to the bank. My wife and I once had money in the bank. Yeah, yeah it was a joint account. She spent all the money and I wound up in the joint. <laughs> Look, I've got to go to the bank. I'm in the fur business now. Oh, say, my wife keeps pestering me for a fur coat. Wants a skunk. From the from the husband of the same name. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to be getting home now. I want to take my wife riding in my motorcycle. Oh, sidecar? No thanks. I don't drink. Come on, there. Come on, there. Better hurry down to the bank and borrow some money. I want to get those two rabbits. Uh, hello. This is Gribbins at the post office. What are you going to do about those four rabbits? Four rabbits? I only had two. There is no such thing as two rabbits. And now here is Peter Van Seaton and his orchestra to play Billy Marley. I'm going to get the money for my rabbits. Well, this is the place I want. Executive officers. 14th vice president. 13th vice president. 12th vice president. Third vice president. <laughs> Manpower shortage. <laughs> Here we are. Office of the president. I'll go right in. Uh, excuse me. Are you the president? Uh, yes, but just a moment. My assistant wants me. Oh. Uh, yes, what is it, Watkins? Well, Mr. J.C. Higginbottom is a little short this week and would like to borrow about $17 million. 
Well, don't bother me about it. Take it out of the petty cash. <laughs> All right, son. Stick your eyes back in and state your business. Well, um, I'm Alan Young, and I want to borrow $25. Oh, you mad, impetuous boy, you. <laughs> could, I, could I get the 25 right away? Of course. How would you like it, heads or tails? <laughs> now, uh, before we make the loan, can you show me your collateral? I'm sorry, it hasn't come back from the laundry yet. <laughs> no, no, let me, let me put it this way. Can you produce a co-signer? What's a cosigner? A cosigner is a dope with a fountain pen. <laughs> now, of course, if you have a business, uh, we can make an investment. Uh -huh. Last month, we financed a shipbuilder who made 12,000 poop decks, but he had to quit. What happened? All pooped out. <laughs> well, I want the money to raise rabbits. Well, why don't you raise dogs? They're more intelligent. Why, I taught my little dog how to sit up and beg. Yeah, it's wonderful. It certainly is. Yesterday, he took in $7. <laughs> my mind is set on rabbits. Well, why don't you raise snapping turtles? There's something that's always in demand. I put a snapping turtle at the foot of my bed every night. Well, what's, uh, what's the idea of that? Well, I like a quick bite before I go to sleep. <laughs> well, it's too late for me to change. I've, I've got four rabbits already. I'll take it. Hello? Mrs. Griffin's in the post office. What are you going to do about those eight rabbits? Eight rabbits? I thought I only had four. Time. March is on. Well, now, Mr. Young, I'm, uh, I'm ready to lend you an ear. Well, I was sort of counting on $25. Oh, you see, I want to raise rabbits and make money. You make money? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Young, everybody in this town knows that you're nothing but a dope. I am not a dope. You are a dope. I am not a dope. You are a dope. All right, you talk me into it. <laughs> I'll make a final offer. You give me the money and I'll divide the rabbits with you 50-50. Oh, come, come, Young. This is no time to split hairs. <laughs> Now, look, I'm a very busy man. I don't care. I'm desperate. i got to have a place to put all these rabbits. Young, let me tell you something. You don't have the right business approach at all. I... I don't? No. No, I'll show you. You just step outside my office, knock on the door again, and I'll show you your mistake. Gee, you, you will? A swell of you. <clears throat> knock again? I'm getting somewhere. This guy's a wonderful... Hey. Hey. Hey, in there, open the door. What for? You said you'd show me my mistake. I am. Your mistake was in stepping outside. <laughs> well, fine thing. No money, no nothing. Sometimes I wish I was a rabbit. They take your wool, make it into yarn. They take the yarn, make it into sweaters. No, you get next to some of the best people that way. <laughs> Whenever you feel blue, you can always drown your sorrows with a good drink of rabbit punch. <laughs> Gee, I've... I wonder... I wonder what happens when a rabbit gets drunk. Probably sees Frank's face. Gee, somebody in one of these offices ought to have money. 
Here's the attorney for the bank. Maybe he can help me. Well, well, right through the door. Hello there. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, uh, I say it's a nice day there, sir. Well. <laughs> Counselor Carton Branch, what's news? Nothing at all. Uh, come in, boy. Come into my office. Thanks. That's the door there. <laughs> Today, this is an anniversary. Yes. Ten years ago, I say, ten years ago, they tore down the house I was born in to make room for a vacant lot. <laughs> a lot, incidentally, which is still standing today. The lot's still standing. Yeah. That's right. But look, I'm trying to borrow a little bit. Yeah, well, don't talk while I'm interrupting, son. <laughs> Hey, uh, what's, uh, what's wrong with you anyway? You look worried, kind of. Cheeks are pale, especially around the face. <laughs> yes, I, I am worried, Counselor. How did you know? Why, that's my business boy. Business boy, that is. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, uh, what's bothering you? I can hear when help is needed. My ears are very sensitive to trouble. Very sensitive. Yeah, I need $25. What did you say, boy? I said, I need $25 very badly. Will you lend it to me? Son, you're an old friend of mine, and I can't say no. So my answer is positively impossible. <laughs> you see, boy, uh, pay attention now, son. You see, lending money makes enemies. Years ago, I lent $25 to a striptease dancer. She wouldn't pay me back. Well, what did you do? I had to slap a suit on her. <laughs> That's a joke, son. Yeah, but, Counselor, I, I need the money. I'm going to the rabbit business. Yeah, I, I got eight rabbits already. Hello? This is Griffins at the post office. What are you going to do about those 16 rabbits? Oh. Well, you better do something about it. I'm getting nervous. Well, why? Well, they stand around all day and keep singing, Don't fence me in. <laughs> You better send some food over. Food? Yeah. They've even started to chew the magazines. They're eating me out of house and garden. Try to hold them, Mr. Grimmins. I'll be right down with some vegetables. Counselor Carter. Now, if it's vegetables you want, boy, go right down to Crotchmeyer's Moffat in the next block. Yeah, but I haven't got Just any... down the stairs and turn right. Yeah, but I need... Just ask them for a nickel's worth of vegetables. Yeah. But see that they don't put in too many watermelons. Yeah, yeah goodbye, son. <laughs> Nice boy, but he talks too much. <laughs> oh, gee, there's that Sophie Quatchmeyer. I'm scared of that man, Hunter. They say she has a charge account at the marriage license bureau. <laughs> uh, what can I do for you? Yeah, well, your father always waits on me. Where is he? Poor Daddy. He had a terrible accident. We almost lost him in the briny deep. What happened? He fell into a barrel of dill pickles. <laughs> That's too bad. I'd like a head of lettuce. He left the entire business in my hands. But it uh, really needs two people to run a store, like uh, a wife and husband. Are you interested in vegetables? <laughs> yeah, I'd like a head of lettuce. Uh, do, you, do you think I'm hard to look at? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I've seen him harder looking than you. <laughs> I've been told that I'm the image of Roseland Russell. Well, you mean Rosalind Russell. I hang around Roseland. <laughs> All I want is a head of lettuce for my rabbit. How can you be so aloof? 
Punch off your affection. Garnish me with your kisses. Smother me with your embrace. Are you making love or ordering a hamburger? <laughs> but I have so much to offer. I, I have legs like Betty Grable. I, I have shoulders like Lana Turner. I, I have a form like Dorothy Lamour. Have you got a head like a lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, I, I cannot resist you. I'm, I'm going to hold your hand in mine. <sighs> now I'm going to squeeze it. Gee, <laughs> that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> why, why should we wait any longer? Come on, come on. Let's have a runaway marriage. Good, I'll start running now. <laughs> Then, then you're not interested, huh? Well, I've already got a girl, Betty Cooper. I got a business, too. I'm raising rabbits. They're at the post office now, and I want you to send over all the vegetables they need. Well, how many rabbits have you got? I got 16. <laughs> Hello? This is Gribbons at the post office. Yes? You have 32. Will you try for 64? <laughs> Maybe you'd like to have your mail multiply the way Alan Young's rabbits do. Well, it's a good idea, but I think it takes longer to write a letter. Now, my idea is to cut down the time it takes letters to reach you and to be delivered back home. Now, that's where V-mail comes in, because it's much faster than ordinary mail, never left behind for lack of space, and it's sure to get there. Because the original letter you write is held until the safe arrival of the microfilm copy is reported. If you're not using V-Mail, try it. It's free and fast. And now, here's our glamorous singing star, Diane Courtney, to sing Sweet Dreams, Sweetheart. Good night, sweet dreams, tomorrow's another day, till then, sweet dreams. Good night, sleep tight. I'll see you along the way in dreams, sweet dreams, sweet home. Angels up above, watch over you and keep you safe, my love, until the dawn breaks through. Good night, sweet dreams, tomorrow's another day. Good night, sweet dreams, sweetheart. Good night, sweet dreams. Till then, good night, sweet dreams, sweetheart. Good night, sweet 
can you thanks for walking over to my girl Betty's house? Her father's my last hope, you know. If he doesn't lend me the $25, I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, but I thought her father didn't like you. Oh, don't be silly. Why, every time I come to his house, he begs me to take a drink. Once he even got me as far as the medicine chest. <laughs> maybe he'll... Maybe he'll lend it to me when he finds out I'm going into the rabbit business. Yeah, well, so long, Alan, and good luck. Thanks, Kenny. Hope she's in. Hello, Betty. Hello, Mr. Young. I'm so glad you came. Say, Betty, is your father home? I have something very important to ask him. I'm planning to take on new responsibilities. Mr. Young, this is so sudden. Honestly, I won't need much. I know, Betty, but I'm, I'm thinking of the others. There'll be lots of little mouths to feed. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I'd love to take care of them. What color eyes do you think they'll have? Probably pink. <laughs> Anyway, I'll take care of them from morning to night. No, Betty, I'm not going to have you spend your days in the cellar. <laughs> of course, in the summer, you just let them run around loose. They come back in the fall. <laughs> Mr. Young, how can you be so cruel? Well, the best authorities say they're healthier when they're way out in the open. That's what gives them those big, bushy tails. <laughs> talking about? Rabbits. I'm going to raise rabbits. Rabbits? Yeah, I got 64. <laughs> I had to open my big mouth. What's the matter? I got 128 rabbits. <laughs> 256 rabbits. But it's a serious. I could be arrested. What for? I'm in the numbers racket. <laughs> 512. I better answer it. Hello? Hello? That's the door, not the telephone. Answer the door. Oh, hello, door. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm Mr. Grivens, formerly of the post office. <laughs> I'm awfully sorry for all the trouble I caused you, Mr. Grivens. Oh, I had to take those rabbits home with me, and it's been horrible around the house. We had to live in the attic. Those rabbits were all over the place. They even got mixed up with my kids. Surely you could tell the difference. Sure, my kids are the ones with the long ears. Now look, look, Mr. Young. Mr. Young, I couldn't stand it any longer. I brought the rabbits with me. They're on the front lawn. They're on the front porch. They're all over the house. I don't want them. You get them. They're yours. Yours. I'm free, do you hear me? I'm free. Just be calm and cool like me. <laughs> I'm not flustered. Oh, Mr. Young, I'm so proud of you. You have a brain in your head. Ah, get it out! <laughs> oh, well, it looks like I'm in the fur business, I guess. I better go outside and get a few skins. Betty, where's an axe? Oh, Mr. Young, please be careful. Oh, Betty, don't be so childish. I've, I've been in dangerous situations before. I'm hardened to it. Well, once in Canada, my guide and I were in a tent playing two-handed rummy. Suddenly, a huge bear charged inside. I picked up a chair, and I let him have it. Mr. Young, what happened? We played three-handed rummy. <laughs> here I go. All right, rabbits. This is it, see? Hey, you. You were the buck teeth. Come here. 
I'll I'll just take this axe and I'll raise it and I'll just... Hey, come back here. And give me back that axe. Stop to think of it. Why should I pick you for my victim? Let's do this fairly. This is a democracy, isn't it? Well, everybody line up. Look, I... I got to dispose of some of you guys and we may as well face it. Are there any... Volunteers? Thank you. I'll just lay him out in the bluff like this, and I take the axe and I raise it, and I... His eyes are so big. Looking at me. I'll turn him over and hold onto his neck like this. Then I can raise the axe and I... Fur is so so soft. Oh, what the heck? It's just a rabbit. <laughs> Maybe he's a family man. I I can't go through with it. I can't do it. Look, I'm gonna give you four hundred rabbits a chance to escape, see? Um, I'm going to close my eyes and count to three. When I finish counting, I want all 400 of you to be gone. One, two, three. Now look, you 800 rabbits. Get out of here. I'm going to give you one more chance. One, two, three. Now look, you guys our glamorous singing star, Diane Courtney, to sing, Let's Take the Long Way Home. Let's take the long way home. Let's look for the long way home. And on the witness pretend that this wonderful night will Much too soon We'll circle once around the moon Our dream boat will carry us across the sun Let's take the long way home Shall we fly through the night? Shall we dream as we go? See the star on Let's take a long way Make sure it's a long way Let's take a long way 
all you fellas and girls overseas, we'd really like to hear from you. It's easy to reach us. Just send a card or a letter to me, at Alan Young, care of Armed Forces Radio, Los Angeles, USA. Right, will you? And tell us just what you'd like to hear on our program. This is Ken Delmar saying good night. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. This one is called A Date with Judy, and um, it's her guest is uh, uh, Joseph Cotton. I like him. Uh, I've seen him in a lot of suspense things and that sort of thing. But um, anyway, A Date with Judy, it sort of reminds me of the TV show that came on in the 50s. Uh, called Gidget. Sally Fields played in that. And um, so I think it's kind of a cute little show, and I hope you will too. They didn't, with the Sally Fields show, they didn't make many of those, but I don't know why. I, maybe it didn't make as big a hit as we thought it should, but it was probably, it probably bumped into something bigger and they had to let it go. Who knows? why these folks do what they do but um, anyway it was a good little show and so is A Date with Judy famous quick relief for acid indigestion presents A Date with Judy 
and the first of Judy's prominent guest stars, the distinguished motion picture actor, Mr. Joseph Cotton. And now to keep our date with Judy, that lovable teenage girl who is close to all our hearts. As we look in at the foster house now, Judy, her kid brother Randolph, and her parents are in the living room. What are you doing, Judy? Writing a very important letter, Mother. Judy, are you writing fan letters again? Really, Mother? When a man is not only the greatest dramatic movie actor in the whole world, practically, and also the handsomest, most romantic thing there is, well, at least a girl can do is give him a little encouragement. <laughs> well, do you have to take on his entire encouragement single-handed? Yeah, can't you let some other girl encourage him once in a while? Really? I don't think you people understand this at all. I'm certainly not in a category with girls who write mere mushy fan letters. Oh, no. Well, of course not. <laughs> this is purely on a basis of a discussion of mutual careers. Of mutual careers? Oh, did he like you in your last picture? <laughs> <laughs> really? I see this matter can't be discussed with one family. One has to forge on alone, fighting for one's ambitions, in spite of the scoffing of one's family. Yeah, I, I suppose that's what one has to do. <laughs> I mean, one really does. Well, I finished. I'll mail it for you, Judy. Thank you, Randolph. And all I've got to say is, someday when I'm a star in Hollywood, Tootsie Whiteman is going to be very, very sorry she used dirty politics to keep me from being vice president of my class. Well, you all excuse me. I shall go up to my room. Yeah. Is that feud between Judy and Tootsie Whiteman still going on? It is still going on. It's reached a new high. Will everybody excuse me while I make a phone call? Of course. There will be much more soothing around here when Judy leaves Hollywood behind and goes on to greater ambitions, like, uh, well, like being a school teacher. Hello. Hello, Curly. This is Randolph. Yeah, Randolph. I've got another one. You have? Yeah, take care of it for me, will you? Yeah, Randolph. Come on. Go on. What was that conversation about? <laughs> oh, it's a very clever and sinister plot. Huh? It's like this. Every time Judy writes a fan letter to Joseph Cotton... Oh, so that's who Judy writes fan letters to. Yeah. Well, it seems that Curly has a cousin who lives in Hollywood. And every time Judy writes a fan letter to Joseph Cotton, well, Curly's cousin who lives in Hollywood answers it. <laughs> Is that so? Yeah. He makes out like he's Joseph Cotton. And Judy's falling for the gag hook, line, and sinker. I don't know if I like that. Why, Father, what other brother would give his sister a thrill like that? And all for free. <laughs> oh, Randolph, it's here. It's here. What's here? His letter. I can't wait to read it. He says, oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, where's the phone? In its usual place. <laughs> Just wait till Tootsie Whiteman hears her. She'll die. That's what she'll do. She'll just die. Well, don't ask me to go over and pick up her body. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Tootsie. This is Judy. Yes, Judy. Well, Tootsie, I thought you'd be interested in the latest. Oh, did you get another letter? <laughs> Listen to this. My dearest Miss Foster. Dearest, it says, Tootsie. Did you hear that? Yes, I heard it. My dearest Miss Foster. I think I should really be calling you Judy by now because I feel that I know you so well. I have studied your lovely face again and again, and I thank you so much for sending me your photograph as I asked you to. It said lovely face. You hear that, Tootsie? Yes, I've heard it. Oh, this part's simply wonderful. I have decided that you are amazingly photogenic, and if you should ever come to Hollywood, please let me know so I can arrange a screen test for you. A screen test? You hear that, Tootsie? Oh, I really wouldn't go to Hollywood if I were you. 
I hear you get terribly tired of the climate there. It's just sunshine all the time. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't mind that. Yes, but what about Ubi Pringles? You and Ubi are such close friends. Oh, Ubi's just an immature boy. Seventeen and a half? Yes, but he's so adolescent. He Ubi, ab- if you don't mind, I really have to hang up. My, my mother's waiting for me to go to town. Oh, well... You don't want to hear the rest of the letters. Oh, that's probably just a form letter he sends out to all his fans. I hear that's what they do, form letters. So long. So long. Well, did you burn? Green with jealousy. <laughs> saying it was just a form letter. Oh, I could feel whole waves of intense envy radiating over the telephone wires. That's nice. Oh, it's wonderful. Look at me, Randolph. Do you really think I'm photogenic? Well... Never mind, Anthony. <laughs> the main thing is a gorgeous, dramatic, handsome, superb actor like Joseph Cotton thinks I'm good enough to be in pictures. Yeah, you think this room's all right, Joe? Fine, fine, Don. As a matter of fact, the town this size is done good. Yeah, for personal appearance, too, in times like these, I must say we've had mighty little trouble. Well, I'm going to unpack. Okay, I'm going to go downstairs and see if I can find a drugstore. I need a toothbrush. See you later. Let's pause for a moment. Louise Erickson and Joseph Cotton will return in a date with Judy right after these messages. I want a box of mascara, some pancake makeup, and an eyelash curler, please. And if you don't mind, I'd like to look at... Oh, jeepers. Excuse me a minute, please. Uh, I beg your pardon. I beg yours. Well, um, excuse me for coming up and talking to you like this, but I just... Well, I just had to. Oh, that's all right. I suppose if people ever stop talking to me, I, I wouldn't like it a bit. Oh. Did anybody ever tell you you look like Joseph Cotton? Why, yeah, yes. People tell me that all the time. You're just... Oh, the spitting image of him. Is that good? Oh, it's wonderful. I think he's marvelous, don't you? Well, he has his faults. I... <laughs> In that last picture of his, I, I, I didn't like it the way he looked at the mirror. Oh, but that was marvelous. I thought he was terrific when he did that. I don't think you ought to run him down like that. He's really a marvelous actor, in spite of what you think of him. Oh, now, now, wait a minute. Don't get angry. Well, it really hurts me to hear people going around knocking a simply marvelous star like Mr. Cotton. Well, far be it for me to knock him. <laughs> You're probably just a little jealous, actually, because he happens to be a famous movie star, and you just, well, you just look like him. Well, that's possible. He's really a wonderful person when you get to know him. That's so. You know him? Well, of course I do. Oh, not personally, of course, but he's been writing to me, and, well, the depth and character of a man who's so famous and everything is simply, well, I think it's wonderful. He's been writing to you? Oh, yes. He asked me to come to Hollywood and take a screen test. He has. Of course. <laughs> I guess he realizes from our letters that we could work together in cooperation and everything. Oh, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> On account of the sort of mutual kinship of understanding we have. Well, I, I wouldn't be too sure of that. Well, goodbye. It was awfully nice talking. Uh, w- wait a minute. Well, I have to go. <laughs> Hey, Curly. Yeah, Randolph. Did you see this in today's papers? No. Look at this. Picture and everything. Joseph Cotton to conscript blood donors. Joseph Cotton, well-known Hollywood leading man, came to town today under the auspices of the blood donor service. Yowie! Double yowie. 
Has Judy seen this yet? Well, not that I know of. Oh. Well, should we let her down easy or let nature take its thumb? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. Well, it would be very interesting to see what happens. Uh-huh. Yeah, having said sort of a perpetual motion machine in action, it's... It might be kind of intriguing to see where perpetual motion stops and the explosion of the atom begins. Randolph? Here comes the atom now. Was there any mail for me today, Randolph? Uh, Judy, uh, would you kind of like to look over the headlines in the morning paper or anything? No, I think I'll There's just... a very interesting picture on the front page. There is, but... Jesus! Is anything wrong, Judy? She's in town. Oh, but it was he. But why didn't he say so? Didn't he recognize me after all he has my picture? He's just been teasing me. Is he just leading me on and telling me to call up later? Oh, golly, this is amazing. I've got to figure this out. Did you make anything in first statement, Randolph? <laughs> no. Can't say that I did. Very puzzling. Stimulating, though. Yes, very. Decisive <laughs> reaction of some sort there, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Quite. Yeah, doorbell. I'll get it. Well, hello, Oogie. Hello. Want to see Judy? No. I, well, as a matter of fact, I'd like to see your parents. <laughs> well, well, that's nice for a change. Yeah. Usually you spend evening after evening trying not to see your parents. Well, this time I want to see him all right, all right. Sure. I think that could be arranged. Father's home for lunch, and you can find them both in the breakfast room. Good. I shall accompany you. Excuse me, Curly. Okay. Yes, sir. When a man faces a crisis, I think the most definite thing he can do is, is face it. <laughs> Hello, Oogie. Oh, hi, Oogie. Hi. There's been something I've been wanting to say to you for a long time. Oh, it sounds serious. Well, I felt it my duty... No, 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 just you... a minute, Oogie. Judy is entirely too young to be... Well, that's just it. She's so young. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Foster, she's so young, and... Well, that's the reason I thought it was best I came to you. You're darn right it's best you came to me. Just because you're going into the army in another six months... You don't need to think that you can talk my daughter into getting married right now. Oh, I don't want to marry Judy, Mr. Foster. Maybe in a couple of days. Huh? <laughs> I said, I don't want to marry Judy. Well, what are you getting us all excited for? Well, I want to keep her from, well, maybe marrying some other man. Mr. Foster, I'm not here to tell on Judy or anything, but, well, when a man reaches a crisis... A man has got to face it. <laughs> Mr. Foster, what would you say if I told you a famous picture star has been, well, wooing Judy through the mail? Huh? Oh! <laughs> Is that all? Oh! You should see what he says to her. Mr. Foster, I have here a packet of letters tied in blue ribbon, all of which this, this fiend wrote to Judy. Where did you get those, Oogie? Well, Judy loaned them to Tootsie Whiteman to read, and Tootsie showed them to me. Not that I'd want to go around reading other people's mail or anything, but... <laughs> well, when something like this happens, a man has got to face it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come now, Oogie. Things aren't nearly as bad as you think. Oh, they aren't. Well, Mr. Foster, this this man is in town, and... Well, it's pretty terrible, that's what it is. Well, Judy hasn't run off with him yet. Really, Mr. Foster, I've got to see action. And if you treat my remarks with, well, levity, that's all, well, I guess the thing I've got to do is just go to the source. Joe, there's a boy outside wants to see. Boy? Yeah, a kid about 17. He's been prattling something about some letters you wrote to a girl. Some letters? You know, Don, this is the second time today I've been accused of writing letters to a girl. I wish you knew what this was all about. You want to see? Yeah, send him in. Okay. All right, right in here. Yes, sir. Hello. Oh. Anything I can do for you? Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, now you 
certainly can. Well, well just, just sit down. <laughs> now, let, let's hear all about it. Well, it's like this. Mr. Cotton, I think... Well, I just think it's darn unfair to make a guy like me compete with a guy like you. What's that? I mean, what chance has a guy like me got competing with a famous screen star like you? I mean, it's unfair competition. Well, I don't believe in unfair competition. I'm very much against it. That's the case. Well, these letters you've been writing, Judy. I don't think it's very sportsmanlike. You have them here? Yes. Let's pack it. Let me see them. No, don't try to get them away from me. I'm keeping them. You don't need to think you're going to snatch the evidence so that when this thing gets to court... The, the evidence? Well... I had no idea this innocent-looking packet of letters constituted evidence. Well, they certainly do. And they remain in my possession. I, I quite understand, Mr. Uh, uh... Mr. Pringles. Oogie Pringles. I quite understand. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll return them to you as soon as I look at them in a minute now. John will be a witness here, won't you, Doc? That I will, that I will. All right, now, let's see. Uh, uh David Hollywood, December 27th. Hmm? So far, so good. Now... My dearest Miss Foster. You didn't need to have said dearest. You could have said just plain dear madam. Yes. <laughs> yes, I could have. You mark that down as unfair. All right, let's proceed. I think I should really be calling you Judy by now because I feel I know you so well. Did I write that? Yes, sir. Corny, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's just the beginning. Now it really gets going. I have studied your lovely face again and again, and I thank you so much for sending me your photograph as I asked you to. Ungrammatical, isn't it? No excuse for that. And there's no excuse for asking her for a photograph, either. My goodness, when you have all those beautiful girls to ask photographs from, like Lana Turner, Hedy Lamar, and all I've got is Judy. Oh, but I know about her. She sounds like plenty. Well, look you, boy, is she snazzy. <laughs> well, let's proceed. Amazingly photogenic. Hmm. And if you should ever come to Hollywood, please let me know so I can arrange a screen test for you. You see? You see, that's what's so unfair. You can lure with screen tests and everything, and well, all I've got to offer is just girl vocalist of Oogie Pringles High School Hot Licks. That seems enough to make <laughs> Well, not when you go around dangling screen tests at her. I see what you mean. Well, Mr. Pringle, uh, uh, what would you like me to do about this? Well, I'd like you to... Well, spend your time luring Lana Turner or somebody. That sounds like an interesting idea. You see, Mr. Cotton, I know you're not really serious about Judy. You, she's just a toy to be, well, toyed with for a moment and then cast aside. Like an old shoe. Yes. But on the other hand, I'm very serious about Judy. And someday when I'm through school and I'm earning my own living, in about ten years, well, I'm going to marry Judy. Well, in view of what you've just said, I... I feel rather ashamed of myself, Oogie. You do? Yes, I have no idea of anything like this, but now I do. I want to assure you that you can consider my my courtship of Judy at an end. Really, Mr. Cotton? Yes. I give you my word, I'll never dangle a screen test in front of her as long as I live. Judy and I are, well, through, as you might say, in pictures washed up, done, Timmy. Oh, gee, Mr. Cotton, that's really, really very nice of you. I can see you're the better man, Oogie, and I wish you luck. Oh, thanks, Mr. Cotton. You know, I'm sort of ashamed of the way I barged in here, so sore and everything. Didn't know you were going to turn out to be a gentleman like this. Well, I want to tell you something, Mr. Cotton. It's been a pleasure to have a man like you for a rival. And I'd rather have you for a rival than anyone I know. The nicest compliment anyone's ever paid me. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you, Mr. Cotton. Well, so long. So long. And I just want you to know I heard you were here on account of the blood bank. And I just want you to know I'm going right down there and, and give quartz. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, that's what I call recruiting. Don, I don't like this. What do you mean? Those letters. I, I, I held one out on Luke. I'm going to track this down and find out who wrote it. Don, I think somebody's conducting a racket someplace. You do? Certainly do. Somebody someplace is getting hold of fan letters and writing to those girls, promising them screen tests. I don't know what just what his racket is, but, brother, I'm going to find out. Hey, Curly, Flash, latest developments on the strange case of Joseph Cotton. Over at my house... I'm to hear what's been going on over at my house. What? Well, the last time they gave me a report via the telephone... Yeah? Well, gee, my sister Tootsie was listening. She was? Yeah, I didn't know it while I was talking, but... Well, she's wise, Randolph. You mean she knows Cotton didn't write those letters? Yeah, and knowing my sister Tootsie like I do, the results are going to be mighty sad for your sister Judy. Gee, what's she going to do, Curly? She's going to sacrifice $5 of her own money to buy flowers and send them to Judy like they were from Joseph Cotton. Wow. Double wow. Judy. Judy, come here. Yes, Mother. Judy, look at these flowers that just came. Oh, aren't they gorgeous? Oh, they're the most exquisite things I ever saw. What are they for? They're for you. I wonder where they belong. Oh, here's a card from Miss Judy. Oh, Mother. They're from Joseph Cotton. From Joseph Cotton. Oh, Mother! That's from Joseph... What? And look what it says. Dear Judy, accept this little token of my affection and promise you'll have a date with me tonight after my lecture at the auditorium. I'll pick you up at your house at 9.30. Sign Joseph Cotton. Oh, Mother! Oh, I don't believe it. This is absolutely the most thrilling thing that ever happened to me. Going out with a movie star who sent me flowers. Oh, my! Now, wait just a minute, Judy, before you get so excited. What do I wear? Oh, but Judy... You... Should I go look at my evening gown or should I call Tootsie Whiteman first? Will you Should not... I wear flowers in my hair? Well, dear, but... Do you think I'll look sophisticated if I wear mascara? Now, Judy... Oh, there's the doorbell. I'll answer it. I'll be glad to, Mother. Oh, hello, Tootsie. Hello, Judy. By a strange coincidence, I was just going past your house and I thought I'd drop in for a minute. Oh, I'm so glad you did, Tootsie. Just look what I've got. What? Flowers. And you'll never guess who they're from. Well, I can't imagine. Who are they from? Joseph Cotton. Well, fancy that. Hey, Curly. Yeah, Randolph, what's the latest? Well, Judy just took a milk bath. Are you kidding? Oh, it's the truth. And Tootsie's just sitting there building up the rat trap. Randolph, I shudder for your sister, Judy. So do I. Well, there's only one thing to do. When a man faces a crisis, he goes right to the source. Hey, Joe, there's a boy out here to see. A boy? Same one? No, definitely a little one this time. Well, it's some racket they've got me involved in. Let's get to the bottom of this. Tell him to come in. Come on in, son. Oh, thank you. Mr. Cotton. Uh, yes, sir. Hey, excuse me for butting in, but I felt I had to talk to you. Oh, hmm. Mr. Cotton, I wish to give you a full confession. You wish to what? There's something going on I feel you ought to know about. I'll bet there is. Now, all right, uh, tell me all about it. Well, you see, it was this way. I have a friend named Kelly, and that's the whole thing, Mr. Cotton. Well, what do you know? Good Lord, I told that Hollywood detective agency to go to work. We'll call him up again tomorrow and tell him to lay off. You know... I, I, I feel sorry for Judy. Yeah, me too. It's going to be quite a letdown tonight when you don't show up. Look, why don't I show up? Gosh, Mr. Cotton, do you really mean it? Mr. Foster, 
Chivalry is not yet dead, sir. <laughs> Don, where's my hat? Oh, now, wait a minute. This is going to make Oogie awfully mad. Oh, we'll be able to take care of Oogie. Yeah, if he doesn't take care of you first. <laughs> Nine thirty-three and a half. Oh, Tootsie, I was never so excited in my life. What would you do if he didn't show up, Judy? Well, he'll be here. He said he would. Take it easy, Judy. Oh, I will. Tootsie, do you think when he gets here, I should be kind of leaning languorously over the piano? Or do you think I ought to be draped rather languorously over a chair? I wish I could drape you languorously over my knee. <laughs> he's nearly four minutes late already, isn't he, Judy, dear? Oh, that's him. I mean, he's... Do I look all right, everybody? You look wonderful, Judy. Yes, you look almost too wonderful. Can I come with you to the door to greet Mr. Cotton? <coughs> all right, Tootsie's a special favor. Oh, I can hardly wait. Good evening, Judy. Oh, Mr. Cotton. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> had such a wonderful evening in my whole life. I imagine your attitude is quite an experience for me, too. <laughs> Would you like to come in? No, no. I, I'll say goodnight. Uh, we are here on the porch. Yes. It's much more romantic out here, isn't it? Yes. And uh, uh, speaking of romance, Judy, there's uh, one more thing I wish you'd let me say. Oh, Mr. Cotton, I'm terribly young, I guess, even though I'm much older than I look. But if you'd be willing to wait until I finish high school... Oh, no. <laughs> That's not exactly what I mean, Judy. The, the kind of romance I want to talk to you about is, uh, well, the, the kind of romance that exists between you and the boy, rather, a, a man of your own age. You mean... Yeah, yes, Anna. That's the best kind of romance there is in the world. Take it from me, I know. You don't need Hollywood. You've got everything right here in this beautiful town. You don't need make-believe either. You've got the real thing if you only knew it. And someone like... What was the name of that boy you were telling me about? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Okay. You know, Judy, he sounds like such a fine boy. You, you think it over, will you? I will, Mr. Cotton. Oh, I'll say goodnight, now. It was a real pleasure knowing you, Judy. Oh, Mr. Cotton, it was beautiful knowing you. Good night. Good night, Mr. Cotton. Mr. Cotton, it's me, Oogie. Oh, hello. <laughs> I waited in the bushes like you told me to, and I... I heard what you told Judy. You did? Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Mr. Cotton. Oh, thank you, Oogie. Gee, it isn't every guy in the world who can have a famous movie star to do his wooing for him. Oogie. <laughs> isn't every movie star who can have a band like you for a rival. Randolph. Yeah, Curly? I just want to tell you, we got a wire from my cousin in Hollywood. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's in jail. <laughs> Last but not least is my strawberry and whipped cream that I'm going to put on my chocolate dip cone. And I'm getting it out of my freezer right now, sticking the strawberry and whipped cream on it. And my strawberry and whipped cream this week, it comes from a show called Focus on the Family. And I like this show. I'm glad I discovered it because um, 
inside it, it has a lot of things like Anne of Green Gables and uh, uh, Narnia and, uh, you know, all those things. That So I'm going to be playing uh, more of those as I go along for the kids. But this one um, that I'm playing today, it's called Tilly. And um, it's it's about this woman... And back years ago, she aborted her baby out in the field somewhere. And, uh, it died. And, of course, and, uh, uh, she was too far along, really, to abort it. And, but it, because it still looked like a little girl. And, uh, uh, she named it Tilly. And, um... So they buried her in this little bitty casket and every month she would go by and visit her grave and put new flowers on it. And um, so anyway, one day when she was about, when the little girl was about nine, she came out of her grave and she found her mama. And, you know, she told her mama how much Jesus loved her and that he had forgiven her for what she did and she forgave her for what she did. And so in the end, the baby was able to stay with her. Now, talk about supernatural, but <laughs> but anyway, I, I thought it was a cute little show and I, I hope y'all like it as well. house of his habitation back to the ground from which it came, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Amen. Well, that concludes our interment service, and I want to thank you two for coming. Anytime, Pastor Taylor. I hadn't realized you even knew Frank Smith. No, we really didn't know him. I used to buy a paper from him at his old newsstand downtown. And you cared enough to come to his funeral. That means a lot. Dan, Kathy, I'm impressed and very grateful. It would have been sad for Frank to pass away unmourned and and unremembered. Well, somebody has to care, even if it's a stranger. You're right. Thank you both for caring. And thank you for a beautiful service. Yes, thanks a lot. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, good old Frank Smith. Corner of Third and Amber won't be the same without him out there peddling papers. Oh, wasn't that sad? Yeah. I mean, that was the smallest funeral I've ever been to. I mean, we were it. The only ones who came. Well, Kathy, you know how it is. People get busy. Yeah. They didn't know him. They have other things to do. Yeah, well, I'm really glad we came. Yeah, me too. Well, I guess I'll bring the car around and we'll... What are you looking at? That woman over there is praying. Where? Over there. See? She's kneeling. Oh, yeah. I didn't see her. Look at the flowers she's putting on that grave. Oh, they're beautiful. What a picture, huh? Yeah. There's just something about it. 
It makes you wonder about the story behind it. You know, a husband who dies or a son lost in the war mm. or... Hey, hey, what are you doing? Shh, honey, let go of me. I just want to walk a little closer. Wait, wait, what for? Shh, I just want to see the gravestone. I just want to see what it says. That's all. Kathy, I'm sure this lady doesn't want any visitors right now. She won't have any. Don't worry. We're just going to pass by, you know, so I can read the inscription. Meaning after all. Tilly! You! Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean Pardon to... Pardon us. We were just leaving. No, wait, wait. Please. I didn't mean any harm. Now you've done it. Oh, no, no. Don't go. Oh, please come back. Uh, we'll leave. Oh, brother. I feel terrible. Yeah, well, you should have realized this was one of those private moments you don't just walk into, you know? Yeah, but I didn't think she'd run away. Did you see the look on her face when she saw me? You'd think I was a ghost or something. Well, let's face it. There are a lot of emotions at work in a place like this. Come on, let's just go. We can put this on our list of things we'll never do again. Kathy, what are you looking at? Tilly. That's all it says. Hmm, yeah. And only one date, nine years ago. Sweetheart, this is really none of your business. Hey, Kathy, come on, come on, get up. No, no other date. Just one little slab of stone, one little name. I guess, like you say, there must be quite a story behind it. Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. I'll bring the car around. I'll be here. I think it'd be better if you... I'll be here. Okay. Okay, I'll be just a minute. <laughs> oh, here you are. Kathy? Honey, are you all right? Oh, yes, yes, I'm all right. No, you are not. You're crying. Well, can't a woman cry if she wants to? And I wasn't crying. Sweetheart, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry, Dan. I... Well, if you just open up and talk about it. I am your husband. I do care about what happens to you. I'm sorry, Dan. I just can't talk about it. I, I need to get it straightened out in my own mind first. And you don't think I can help you? Well, you can, and you will. I, I just need time to think, that's all. Well, as long as you know I'm concerned. You've been this way for a week now. The kids know it, too. They're asking me what's wrong. I don't know what to tell them. I, maybe I just need to get away for a while. Maybe you just need to get some sleep for a change. I haven't been able to. Yeah, I know. That has me worried, too. You should see yourself. You look no, like... No, please don't tell me how I look. All right, all right. Can you just do one thing for me? Maybe. Try to sleep tonight. Oh, I mean, yeah, come to bed and try to sleep. Don't just wander around the house like you've been doing. Dan, I... All right, maybe you're right. I love you. Do you really? Well, of course I do. No matter what? No matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start crying no, again. it's okay. I, these are happy tears, I think. Well, that's some improvement anyway. So what do you have here? It's a family album. So I see. Why did you dig this out? Oh, look at Bruce and Amy. Hmm. I can't believe they used to be that small. Yeah. How old were they when we took this? Well, that was Christmas in our old house in Hoodsport. Uh -huh. And Bruce had to be three, so Amy was only two. Well, wasn't Tommy born yet? No, I think I was still carrying him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, look. <laughs> <laughs> look at these little kids. Now Bruce is bigger than I am, and Amy's starting college. Oh. Huh. They sure grow up fast, don't they? Sure do. Even Tommy, look at him here. Mm. My little baby. Oh, he was so cute. All of them were cute. I guess you've been thinking about the kids a lot, huh? 
I don't know. Last night, you were going through their old toys, and the night before that, you sat all night in my office. Well, it was quiet in there, and I... That used to be the nursery, remember? I think I'll go to bed now. I'd like that. And, and if I do get to sleep, Dan, please don't wake me up. <laughs> don't worry. I wouldn't mess with success. Thank you for being patient with me, for loving me. Hey, don't ever worry about that. Good morning. Shh, Amy. Mom's asleep. You're kidding. So tell Bruce and Tommy to keep it down. I don't want anything waking her up. Is that why you're shaving with the old razor? Yeah, the electric one's too noisy. Oh, brother. I better grab Tommy before he turns on his radio. And, and listen, could you do me a favor, Amy? Maybe you can make sure Tommy gets rolling and then you can run him by the school. I won't be driving that way. What? You're not going to work? No, I I have some other things to do. Some important things. Can you take care of that for me? Sure, no problem. Thanks. Listen, I don't know when I'll be home, but how about fixing dinner tonight? And just save a plate for me if I don't get back in time. What is this? Some big secret mission? Well... Don't say anything, but I think I might know what's wrong with your mother. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to follow a hunch. Uh-oh, Tommy's up. Go, go, put a lid on that. Okay. us do. Where? You don't mean here. All around here. Well, I've never seen any of you in this neighborhood before. Are you off in the school or something? Young man, I asked you a question. Me? Yes, you. What's your name? Uh, my name? You heard me. Uh, I guess I don't have a name. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just have to talk to your parents, huh? I mean, do you want me to do that? Uh, I don't have any parents either. Now, are you trying to be the... It's true, ma'am. We don't have any parents. Yeah, none of us do. None yeah, of us are really any parents. parents. And just who are you? I'm... Well, I'm me. I want to know your name. Oh, I don't have a name either. No name and no parents either? I mean, all of you? But there must be a hundred of you, and I, I still don't know where you all came from. Well, we were kind of wondering where you came from. Yeah, we kind of wondering where you came from. Oh, okay, that's it, that's all. Now I want all of you to get out of my yard and right now. Now go on. Now yes, and you two over there, you skedaddle. Hey, you kids get out of that tree, you're going to break a limb. Go on. Well, at least they do what they're told. I mean, oh, Dan, if this is one of your big projects... Oh, my. 
I should just get dressed. Well, why are you still here? Are you all right? Yes, thank you. Well, did you did you fall on the steps there or something? You know, I saw you over by the patio. You were crying then too. What's the matter? I'm all right. I just wanted to look. Well, look at what? At you. <laughs> oh, now you're crying again. Are Are you sure nothing's wrong? I'm fine. So what can I do for you? Could you make me some lunch? Oh dear, <laughs> sweetheart, that's not my job. You should go home for that. You do live around here, don't you? Yes. Well then, oh boy, I suppose you don't have any parents either. I, I might. You might. Well, how about a name? Do you have a name? Tilly. Tilly. Sweetheart, who who gave you that name? I don't know. I've always been called that. And and why um why do you keep staring at me? I'm sorry. I just wanted to look at your face. Tilly, um, would would you happen to know? How old you are? Nine, I think. Nine. Well, um, do you still want some lunch? Yes, please. Well then, I'd I'd like to have you in for lunch, Tilly. Would you like that? Yes, very much. Then won't you come in? Thank you. Excuse me. Oh, hi there.、Uh, what can I do for you? Yeah, I'm sorry to disturb your mowing here. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, my name is Dan Ross. I was at a funeral here a week ago. Oh, sure. You buried old Frank Smith, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have quite a memory. Oh, I just pay attention. That's all. When you take care of a cemetery, you get to know who's buried where and who the newcomers are. Right. <clears throat> right. Uh, well then,、uh, maybe you could help me. I need to find a particular grave. We walked by it last week, but I don't remember exactly where it was. Well, what was the name?、Uh, Tilly. That's all it said. Oh, Tilly, right over here. I know that one quite well. Yes, sir. That's the kind you don't forget. Ah, Portia Weberly. She was a sweet old gal.、Yeah. Amos, her husband. Timothy Stewart. He was killed in Vietnam.、Hmm. Yeah, looks like the Blunquists need waiting. Yeah, right here. This is the one you're after. Uh huh. Yep. This is it. What can you tell me about it? Well, this is one of the really sad ones. Tilly was just a baby, tiny baby. I mean, that little casket was no bigger than a shoebox. It was really sad. Last week we saw a woman here. Ah, Mrs. Mendoza. She、mm. comes here every spring to put flowers on the grave, steady as the seasons. Yeah, that must be her. She's a strange sort, pretty quiet. She did seem rather timid. Yep, that she is. Doesn't say a whole lot. I don't know much about her at all. 
Would you have any idea of how I might be able to contact her? No, no idea. Unless you talk to the funeral home. I seem to recall the Bendix brothers being involved in this thing. Bendix? You mean the Bendix funeral home on Medford Avenue? Yeah, they do big business here. They took care of all the arrangements. You ought to talk to them. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. Say, listen, if you're going to start talking this thing around, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave me out of it. Yeah, don't worry. I'll keep it quiet. Thank you. Are you through? Yes. It was delicious. Good. Finish your milk. Mmm. Well, for a little girl who may or may not have any parents, you have very good manners, Miss Tilly. Thank you. And the peanut butter and jelly sandwich was wonderful. Oh, thank you very much. You must be a great mother, Mrs. Ross. Well, do Bruce and Amy and Tommy think you're a good mother? Well, they say so on Mother's Day, usually. Is that all? No, they tell me more than that. What are you looking at? I was just looking out the window. It sure looks different out there. What's different? Well, there was supposed to be a chestnut tree outside the dining room window, and now there isn't one. Oh my word! What is it? Well, nothing's the same. This isn't my neighborhood. No, this is my neighborhood. But what is my house doing in your neighborhood? That's what we were all wondering. We thought you came here to visit, didn't you? Oh, this isn't real. I must be dreaming. Mrs. Ross, what's your husband's name? That's got to be it. This is a dream. Mrs. Ross? Huh? What?、Uh, what's your husband's name? Dan. Is he nice? Yes, he's very nice. He's a wonderful man. What does he look like? Oh well, he—that's him over there on the mantel. That picture, the one in the middle. Yes, that's him. Oh, I like the way he looks. He must like to smile a lot. Is this you? Yes, that's our wedding picture. Your wedding? Mm-hmm. Ooh, you look pretty. Thank you very much. I've never been to a wedding. Oh, who's this? Well, that's Amy at her graduation. Is she nice? She's grown up to be a fine young lady, and that's Bruce. He's in high school. He's a senior, and that's Tommy. He's in the ninth grade. Ooh. And this is all of us. We all got together and had this taken last year. Can I hold it? Well, sure, sweetheart. Just be careful. Here, you got it? Yes. Thank you very much. Mrs. Ross, you all look so happy. Oh, Tilly, you're crying again. I'm sorry. I can't help it. You all just look so wonderful, and I get to see all of you. Tilly, oh, I just don't know what's happening to me anyway. Thank you, Mrs. Ross.、Oh, you're welcome, honey. Uh, here, here, we'll we'll just put that back up where it belongs. Tilly, are you are you sure someone isn't wondering where you are right now? Yes, I'm sure. Well, what about all those other kids? Them too? Uh huh. Tilly, who are they? Who are all those children? Where did they all come from? They're all just like me. 
They came here and they didn't have any parents. And most of them didn't have any names. And they didn't know anything about where they came from. Mrs. Ross, could I see the rest of your house and Amy's room and Tommy's room? Uh-huh. Tell me about them. What are they like? Well, you'd like Amy. She's a very creative girl and always very busy. And you see that afghan? She made that. Oh, and Tommy's a real character. He's so funny. Hello there. Are you Mr. Ross? Yes, and are you the Mr. Bendix I spoke with on the phone? Uh, right, right. Uh, well, come on into my office here and have a seat. Would you like some coffee? Thank you, yes. Uh, have a seat, have a seat. Thanks. Cream and sugar? No, I'll just take it black, thank you. Now, if you could refresh my memory, you were interested in a, a particular funeral we may have had, what, uh, nine years ago, you said? Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if you keep records that far back, but perhaps you might remember a service for a very small infant. Mm -hmm. We've had a few of those. They're especially tragic. The name would be Mendoza, I believe. A woman named Mendoza. Could I venture to ask what your reason might be in seeking this information? Do you remember it? Well, yes, I do. But there's the issue of privacy, you see. I, I can't just Well, tell... what can you tell me? Well, I don't suppose there's any harm now. It was about this time of year, as a matter of fact. Yes, it had to be April. It's all very vivid in my mind because it was so different. I recall it was Mrs. Mendoza's pastor who contacted me first. We made the arrangements with him. The remains were brought in. I could see the child's death had been intentional. It was very small, not even full term, and its body was badly burned and scarred. I had to special order the casket, but even so, it was oversized. I'll never forget it. The minister conducted a, a simple funeral service, gave a few words from scripture. I, I can still remember him standing there over that little casket, Mrs. Mendoza sitting in the second row all by herself in the chapel, dabbing her eyes with a handkerchief. Listen, this is my profession, so I don't usually get emotionally affected by the normal flow of business, but this was something quite different. I've never seen the likes of it before or since then. A, a woman having an abortion and then giving her child a funeral. It was, it was just shattering. Well, I, I've probably told you more than I should already. Perhaps you could give me the name of Mrs. Mendoza's pastor? Yes, I think that's a good idea. His name is O'Cleary, Reverend Michael O'Cleary. He's just up the street at the neighborhood chapel. Let me see. Neighborhood chapel.
happy here, Tilly. Mrs. Ross, would you please hold my hand? I want you to hold my hand and walk with me. Sure. You have a very, very beautiful neighborhood. I've never seen such deep colors. The flowers grow here all the time, and we get to pick them. See here, this is my favorite bridge. It goes over into the food orchard. My, how did you? The bridge looked like it grew here. Come on across. Wait, wait a minute. Look at the stones in the creek. Huh? Tilly, those are jewels. That's an emerald. And rubies. Yes, they're pretty. I'm coming. I'm coming. You see these trees? They grow all kinds of fruit on them all the time. Do we get to eat it? Twelve kinds of fruit, right? Yes. How did you know that? I think I, I read it in the Bible somewhere. Come and sit here. This is my favorite spot. This is where I like to sing and think about Jesus and think about my, my mother. Tilly, I don't think you ever answered my question. Are you happy here? Mostly. Mostly. Jesus takes walks with me, and he makes me feel warm and happy. And he says I'll get to see my whole family someday, and we'll all be together. But sometimes I just can't wait. I want to see them so bad. Oh, Tilly, Mrs. Ross, I'm sure glad you came to visit. I wish you could stay here all the time. Tilly, sweetheart, I, I don't even know how I got here, but I'm glad I did. I'm so happy I met you. Love me, Mrs. Ross. Oh, Tilly, yes. <laughs> I'm sure I could love you. Janet, please hold my calls. Mr. Ross and I are not to be disturbed. Uh, won't you sit down, Mr. Ross? Thank you. May I call you, Dan? Sure. Dan, ever since that day nine years ago, I often wondered if a meeting like this would take place. Then you know why I'm here. Anita Mendoza belongs to my congregation. She was very distraught over a chance meeting she'd had with you and your wife at the cemetery. <sighs> you have met before. Perhaps you don't remember. Yes. Yes, I think I do. Now. Well, she remembers you and Kathy quite well. She just didn't know what to say when she ran into you there at the grave. She felt terrible for running, but she didn't know what else to do. Did she... she? She worked at the family planning clinic nine years ago. Anita was and is a registered nurse, and yes, she did work at the family planning clinic. So you do remember meeting her? Hmm. Just barely, but I'm sure Kathy remembers. Seeing Anita at the cemetery did something to Kathy. She's been upset ever since. So, let me get this straight. What you're saying is Tilly is your daughter, Dan. Hmm. Nine years ago, Anita was there assisting. 
but your daughter was from very strong stock. And she was still alive after the abortion. She fought for life for about an hour before she finally passed away in Anita's hands. Anita carried her out of the clinic that day and never returned. She wanted this little girl to be given a Christian burial, and I performed the service and helped her with some of the expenses. And every spring now, on the anniversary of the child's death, Anita goes to the grave and takes some flowers there. She said to me once, well, if not me, who will mourn for Tilly? Who will remember her? Dear Lord. Dan, there's one more step I think we ought to take if you think you're up to it. Anything. Anita, will you come in now? Anita, you remember Dan Ross. Tilly, maybe there are some things that we've both been afraid to say, but I don't know how long we'll be together like this. What if we never get the chance to say them? I think that would be awful, Mrs. Ross. Right, and we need to have a serious talk. Do you think we could do that? Uh-huh. You... You do have a mother. Somewhere. I know that now. I know that better than I ever did. And you must know that someday you are going to see her again. Jesus told you that. And I want to, Mrs. Ross. I want to real bad. Tilly, I need to know something. If you were to see your mother, how would you feel? Would you be angry with her or... Would you, um, would you be bitter because she sent you here without even giving you a name? She's my mother. I can't wait to see her. Will we meet someday in a forest or beside the creek? Maybe I'll cry at first, but I'll just look at her face and not stop until I've learned it and can never forget it. I'll rest in her lap as if it was the only thing in my life I ever wanted. And I'll ask her all kinds of things. Will you go for walks with me? And explain things to me so I'll always remember that I learned them from you. Will you sew a dress for me? And comb my hair? Show me how to wear flowers and how to skip. And teach me the little girl songs that you remember. Will you hold me when I'm hurting? Will you make a warm quilt for my bed and tuck me in and tell me stories and take my hand to pray with me? And I can't help crying at night while I hear your slippers on the floor in the hall and know you're still there listening and coming to comfort me. Mommy, will you please haunt me? Will you take me and let me stay with you? I've always loved you. And if I could just have you with me now, I wouldn't want anything else. You're my mother. That's all I know. That's all I understand. That's all I want. Oh, Tilly. I don't know how I'm ever going to say this. Mommy, will you please hold me? Oh, Tilly, my precious, I am sorry. I am just so sorry. Don't cry, Mommy. It's all right. It's all right. Forgive me. Please forgive me. I forgive you. 
I love you. Don't cry. I can't believe I'm even holding you. I didn't think you'd ever let me hold you. I never knew if you wanted to. Oh, sweetheart, I do. I really do. Don't let go. I've never been held by my own mother before. Oh, Julie, how long did you know? I guess, I guess I always knew it was you. The first time I saw you, I just knew you were my mommy. Is that why you were crying? I couldn't help it, mommy. I just couldn't help it. I was really seeing you. I always wondered what you really looked like. All I could ever remember was the sound of your voice. Oh, <laughs> Are you happy, mommy? Oh, Tilly, yes, yes, I am so very happy. I am too. I've missed you so much. Even when I tried not to think about it deep in my heart, I always missed you. And I've always missed you. And then, and then when you told me your name, Tilly, deep down in my heart, for nine years I've always known you by that name. That is your name. And I'll keep it. Thank you, mommy. Oh, you're welcome, Tilly, sweetheart. Oh, oh, look what I found. What? Here, here. Let me show you how to put these violets in your hair. Violets. That's a pretty name. Hold still. Boy, you have thick hair. Just like your father. Are you going to make me pretty, mommy? Oh, you're already pretty, sweetheart. Here, let's comb your hair over this way. I, I want to see your rosy cheeks. Does Amy comb her hair this way? Mm-hmm, pretty much. She's done a lot of different things with it. Well, when you come back, we can all be together and teach each other all kinds of things. That'll be just wonderful. But I, I hate to think about it. Think about what? Oh. Leaving, we just got started. Oh, you'll be back, and I'll be here. Well, we don't need to talk about it now. Mommy, we have to. Oh no, hold still! I'm creating a masterpiece. Mommy, I have to tell you something. What is it? I don't want you to feel bad anymore. Kathy, Tilly, what? What? I didn't hear you. Jesus forgave you a long time ago, and you need to know that. Thank you for saying that, Tilly. Thank you. You know that means a lot to me. Kathy, sweetheart. Oh no, no, stop it! Don't. Mommy, listen. Look at me. Talk louder, Tilly. Please, I can't hear you. Mommy, I love you. Kathy, wake up. Take my hand, Tilly. Please don't let go. Mommy, listen. Are you sure? Please remember that. We don't hurt anymore. Kathy, time to wake up. No, no, I don't want to leave. You have to, mommy. I'll be all right. I'll wait for you. I love you, mommy. Kathy, come on, sweetheart, wake up. Let me see your face, Tilly. Let me see how the flowers look. Life isn't that long. You'll see me. You look wonderful, sweetheart. I'll always keep these flowers for you. Now smile big for me. Let me see you. Oh, you look wonderful. I love you, mommy. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Kathy. <gasps> hey, Kathy. That's okay. It's okay. It's just me. Kathy, you're all right. 
Now, calm down, honey. You're okay. Did you know that you've been sleeping all day? Huh? I was kind of worried about you. Well, I guess we all have to wake up sometime, don't we? Why are you crying? I was having a dream. I, I think it was a dream. I just don't know. Oh, shh. There. Everything's all right. You're home, right here in your own bedroom. Listen, there's someone here to see you. Dan, I can't see anybody. Oh, you'll want to see this person. She's special. She's very special. Kathy? <gasps> Do you remember me? Why? Why did you name her Tilly? Well, uh, she, she just looked like a Tilly. It was a dream, just a dream. But I have the memory to treasure and the little stone marker to show us the grave where Tilly was mourned by a stranger. And it's April again, still another spring to remind me that I am forgiven. Another chance to return to her great side and remember the little child who lives, though never born, the daughter we never knew. Who will mourn for Tilly? I will. Tomorrow life will go on. I'll laugh again. I'll be the proud mother of not three, but four. But for today, let me weep and say out loud what I've always known. Tilly, I love you. Well, that's a wrap, people. I hate to say it, but uh, we got to get our shoes back on and go to wherever we go because this is my last show for today but I look forward to seeing you next week when what I'm planning on doing next week is uh, two of my favorite uh, PIs or detectives or whatever you want to call them the Falcon and Boston Blackie <laughs> the Falcon he's kind of a flirt He's got a girlfriend that's with him, but um, but I thought I would do him and and Boston Blackie. Don't know what my strawberry will be next week, but we'll see. Until then, y'all have a great week, and Pepsi Mama will look forward to seeing you next time.